live here on ESPN Dayton. Oh, that's what you were doing. I see. <laughs> Nicely done. No problem. Nicely done. I got now, how is everybody today? A lot of tension in the air? You know, I mean, it's as if politics is like divisive or something. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I wish politics was more like sports, where if you know the res if we didn't get the result we want, that we just congratulate the other side and we say good job. I mean, that's how the Browns and Bengals fans handle it. That's how I handle it. Definitely how you handle it. I mean, I think politics can learn a lot from Kenner and, and how we approach our sports uh, handlings of results and those types of things. So, as far as that goes. Now, uh, don't worry, folks. Not diving into that. Just relax. We're going to stick to sports. One, two, three, four. Just counting over here. Oh, I see. Oh, you got jokes. <laughs> Come on, Kenner. We don't, you know, very edgy. I like it. Usually Kev's telling me, you know, to calm that. No, 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 no. But no, I hope everyone's had a great day, and uh, we are off and rolling. Plenty to get into. I do want to open up with this. Cincinnati Reds uh, news right off the bat. It involves Trevor Bauer. But first, I want to congratulate Tucker Barnhart uh, on winning his second gold glove. Um, and, you know, he joins, I mean, Johnny Bench is, you know, only a few catchers for the Reds have won multiple gold gloves. Johnny Bench is one of them. Now Tucker Barnhart in that conversation, in that category as well. So shout out to him. But here's the problem. Did you have any idea that Major League Baseball was announcing some of their postseason awards last night? I had no clue until I was messing around on Instagram and I saw Cleveland Indians second baseman uh, uh, Cesar got a golden glove. And I was like, when did that happen? So... That's the problem. Like, you got to understand, like, the reason that the NFL is so dumb, for one, the NFL, the game's just the, the best game out there. I mean, I could, I could watch, I'll pick football over everything else. As much as I love basketball, football rules everything, you know, as far as that's concerned. But foot, damn it, I did it again. I'm trying to get rid of that as far as that's concerned. I've been told I do that too much. So now it's like I catch it when I say it, but it's besides the point. So, anyways, as I was saying, uh, you know, when you the reason football dominates is not just because of the sport itself it's because of the the news cycle the way it dominates the sports news cycle the nba is very similar the nba doesn't have the highest ratings the nba's ratings aren't you know they they don't rival the nfl but you can argue that the NBA is just as popular as the mm -hmm. NFL, but the ratings don't reflect it. But we talk about it year-round. We talk about the NBA year-round because the NBA, Adam Silver, and this goes back to, to even when Stern was you know, the commissioner of the NBA, they, they knew how to market that sport. That sport, the NBA, even when you know ratings are down, it's still one of the most talked about sports out there. Even when ratings are down, it's one of the, it's the one sport that kicks off most shows nationally across the board. People that get mad say, "Well, all they ever do is talk about the Lakers. All they ever do is talk about." They do that because that's where the biggest chunk of fans are, and yep. of course, it makes a lot of sense. You're going to talk about the teams that are going to generate the most ratings for you, so it makes sense as far as that's concerned. And the NBA knows how to pander to that. The NFL does the same thing, except the NFL has mastered the art of. Man, we can make the Tennessee Titans garner all the NFL attention. We could take the Titans and make every NFL football fan out there tune into what we have to say. You know what I'm saying? Like that like the NFL has mastered that. Baseball is the worst. It doesn't know how to market its sport, it doesn't know how to market its players, it doesn't know how to capitalize on opportunities uh to take advantage of your sport being, you know, right there, you know, in the center of all of the attention out there. Last night was a very interesting time in our country because it's election night, right? Mm -hmm. Tensions are high. No one really cares about the Browns or Bengals last night. No one really cares about the Reds. No one really cares about a whole lot of sports topics yesterday because everyone's mind is elsewhere. Now, it's not baseball's fault. I know that November 3rd, you know, they moved the election to November 3rd. Oh, wait, no, no, they never moved it. <laughs> We've known that November 3rd was election day for how long now? 
Do you think anyone in, in Rob Manfred's circle decided to say, hey, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, maybe we should probably not announce any of our postseason awards on November 3rd due to everyone's attention being locked in on the election. Baseball is its own worst enemy. Rob Manfred is his own worst enemy. He can't get out of his own way. Last night, Major League Baseball announces the 2020 Gold Glove winners. And I can't, like, I wanted to be happy for Tucker Barnhart, but for one, I was so angry because, for one, I feel like as a sports radio host uh, that we should be aware of when those types of things are coming out, but I had no clue. Now, that could just be because I'm bad at my job, but I also think is because it's also on a day that you at least expect awards to be coming out, mainly because there's an election going on. Yesterday, we tried to have fun with the show. We were trying to keep it loose. We were trying to have fun because we know that right now, you know, tension's high. We get all that. And then Major League Baseball says, oh, man. We have a night where there's no basketball going on. There's no football going on. We, you know, we, you know, you would think that they would look for an opportunity to be able to announce their postseason awards to maybe dominate the, the sports news cycle a right. little bit the night of and the next day. And they picked November third, the day of the election, so that we could talk about it the next day with everything else going on. You think people are really locked in? You, how many people today? With all the, uh, you, you know, with all the political tension going on right now, truly give a rip about whether their team's None. players won a gold glove or not. None. Nobody. I and they always, shouldn't in, 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 in the big scheme of things. I always wonder why baseball waits to the end of the season to make those announcements for awards. I always thought it was cool how the NBA does it. Real they, quick, hold up. Yep. Doug Toby, don't worry. The jersey's coming on here shortly. Just relax. <laughs> you put the angry face. Doug Toby, I promise it's coming here in a bit when we talk Browns-Bengals. I promise you. All right, keep going. I always wonder why they did it that way. You know, the NBA does it during the playoffs and everything like that. And, you know, hey, if uh, Montrez Hill, he won sixth man of the year, they make the big announcement right before the game. He gets his award right before a home game, crowd super into it and everything like that. LeBron wins another MVP. They wait till the Eastern Conference Finals, till game five. It just seems like those type of things just always roll out. Man, he just got his MVP award tonight, and he proved it by dropping 48 points and blah, blah, blah. Like It just like builds that mystique about a player and everything like that. But no matter when they announce these awards for baseball it's always after the season i always thought they should announce them during the playoffs and for a lot of the time a lot of these guys are still playing so it gives you something else to look forward to it gives you something else for the crowd that's there to get crazy about like like like, yeah our guys got the uh the al whatever award and he's gonna show you why like i just think that's a missed opportunity for major league baseball well, I don't, and I say I differ on that a little bit just because I don't have a problem with them announcing the awards after the season. My biggest problem was is that from a PR standpoint, why would anyone in Roger, in Roger Goodell, in uh, Rob Hamford's office, sign off on them doing a postseason awards at, at all in any capacity on a night, on election night? I don't mind it after the season because, it, 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 it again, you know, the season's over with. Right. So you would think, okay, there's nothing to talk about until free agency and all that starts. But this is another night where if there's no baseball or other sports going on, you're at least in position to be able to have your sport talked about. I don't mind that happening after the season. I mean, I see what you're saying, too, you know, but I don't mind it happening after. I have a huge problem with it happening on the night of the election. <laughs> Last it's night. Just, it, it, it's typical. You know, I, I joked earlier on social media, I said, typical Rob Manfred fashion uh he bunted foul with two strikes i mean that's just the typical rob manford approach to everything that he does and i just think that this was this was dumb but nonetheless how about tucker barnard though second gold glove uh congratulations to him at first base 
Uh, you know, the National League, Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs, Colton Wong from the Cardinals uh, at second base, Javier Baez with the Cubs at shortstop, uh, Nolan Arnado from the Rockies gets the third base gold glove, um, Tyler O'Neill with the Cardinals, uh, Trent Grisham with the Padres, Mookie Betts with the Dodgers, of course, that wraps up the outfield as far as the National League 2020 gold glove is concerned. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it is what it is. Congratulations to him, but at the same time, it's like, baseball, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, the reason that the NBA um, dominates year-round, I mean, think about it. So the NBA tips off in, what, October? Mm-hmm. And it wraps up in, what, June? Yep. NBA Finals in June. And then there's the draft in July. Yep. And then there's, you know, free agency. Actually, there's free agency, you know, in July. And then there's, you know, along with, of course, free agency or with the draft. And then it goes into Summer League. And yep. then Summer League, actually, if Monday people mock it, it gets really good ratings, ratings because people can't wait. Because yeah, you get to watch Zion. Uh, you know, for instance, whoever, it's unfortunate. I was really bummed that the draft was moved back because whoever Obi goes to, Obi would have been like the guy on yeah. whatever team drafts him for the Summer League, and you, we would have watched that around here. Um, so then the Summer League takes over um, from, you know, about July into August. And then basketball, you're really only off for the month of September because then camp opens in October, seasons tipping off by the end of October. The NBA cycle is literally year round, mm-hmm. it's perfect. And it's not over. It doesn't like overwhelm you. Everything is spread out perfectly. The NFL again is year round. Right. Major League Baseball. It seems like their season lasts a year. Yeah. But there's even with as long as their season is, so many people tune out even in the middle of the season. Baseball just has so many flaws. They waste so much time trying to come up with these advanced analytics to improve how the game is played when the game itself wasn't what was broken. It was the it was the guys up at the top. It was how the game was being managed. It was it's how the game is being marketed. Baseball has a problem. And it's not pace of play. All right, it, it, it's not uh, you know pitch clocks. It's it's none of those things. It's not you know. I, it just drives me nuts that baseball constantly thinks that it's figured it out, and yet they only continue to make things worse. They missed out. I mean, we're talking about it today lightly, but then we're about to move on to other stuff because there's plenty of other things going on. But keep in mind that this should be a big deal. These postseason awards should yes. be a big deal. They should big be talked about. And instead, we're talking about how dumb baseball is for the timing of which they announce it. November 3rd, Election Day, uh, and they announce at night when everyone who has been thinking about Election Day or going out and voting during the day, they get off of work, they sprint home to turn on the news because they're just following the election uh, you know, news cycle the whole time. You think that any fan was paying attention to what was going on when it comes to the postseason awards for Major League Baseball? No, they weren't. So, again, you get a big old F, baseball. I don't know what you're thinking, Rob Manfred. As I joked about earlier, he bunted foul with two strikes. I mean, the guy just cannot get out of his own way as far as that's concerned. But we're going to open up the phone lines. We got the phones back up and rolling. In fact, we got every line working now. You know, we were working with like only a few lines before. Now every line is back open. So uh, we're hoping to hit the ground running with your phone calls again. Uh, once again here uh, on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. 457-9464. That's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. We also have another Reds update for you here uh, as we currently sit here. So uh, right now, yesterday, we did this entire piece, and I put it up on the website today about you know Trevor Bauer. I'm confident that he would re-sign and accept the qualifying offer for the Reds because I feel that every player that thinks that they are worth more, they are right, but it doesn't mean that you're going to make that money. Uh, we are seeing teams cut guys left and right that are just saying, you know, we'd rather eat some of that guaranteed money. We would rather just pay the buyout just to get you, you know your money off the books so that we don't have to worry about it in 2021. 
talented guys. I mean, there's going to be so much talent in the free agent market, and there's not going to be enough available dollars to be able to pay every talented free agent what they're actually worth. Now, Trevor Bauer, with the season he just had, if you're going to prioritize free agents, there are going to be certain free agents that teams are going to say, okay, we're going to probably overspend to get him if we have to just because he's that guy. And then there's going to be others that are talented that just don't make the cut. Trevor Bauer might be a guy that teams are going to take a big chance on because he's a dominant pitcher in the year he just had, but he just rejected the Reds' qualifying offer which, of course, assured the Reds a draft pick compensation if he signed with another team. I'm seeing people make excuses on Twitter saying, well, at least we get that. Folks, what, how does that help you now? I'm one of those people. I live in the now. I don't care about a draft pick for a guy that will be drafted next year that won't even be up for the majors for another five years. I don't give a rip about a draft pick. I care about, you know, and again, you can't force him to stay. Right. Um, but this, you know, you're allowed to say, hey, this is kind of upsetting. It's not like he's left yet. He hasn't signed with another team. He has the right to go explore free agency. I just really did. Something in my gut was telling me, hey, I have a good feeling that he's going to probably stay with the Reds because they're giving you an offer right now. You're going to get offers from other teams. But if you think you're going to make bank this offseason, I don't think he is. I don't think he's going to make what he's expecting to because of the coronavirus. You know you could pitch well in Cincinnati. You know you can make the playoffs in Cincinnati. Ask Sonny Gray about going to a bigger market and failing and not being able to live up to the expectations. And also ask Sonny Gray, when you leave those big markets to come back to a small market like Cincinnati, look how much more at home he feels and how comfortable he is. Let's be honest. Cleveland and Cincinnati, two easy markets to pitch in and and two easy franchises to play for. Would Trevor Bauer's personality work in New York? Would it work in cities that, you know, that annoying personality of his, if he has an off night or, or an off week, those New York fans aren't going to let him hear the end of it. He gets annoyed when boobs and Dayton like me have something bad to say about him. How's he going to handle the real media in New York? Because I'm not real media. So how is he going to handle the criticism in New York if he goes there? I think he, you know, he's still a chance he can come back. I just was, uh, I was laughing because I was so confident he was coming back to the Reds. I don't know, man. I think he's going to get his money. We got to remember, Mookie Betts signed his contract in July. That's in the middle of the pandemic, too. Um, a lot of these big-time franchises like the Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, Dodgers, they're still spending because they got their money from the TV contract because they're in those big market cities. You know, teams like the Cleveland Indians and the Reds, you know, they have solid contracts, but they don't have the contracts that those teams have. So I think that he's still in play for a big payday. I mean, it's kind of really up to him if he's really going to stand on that I'm only signing one-year deal stuff. Yeah. Or is he going to say, all right, somebody going to blow him away with a crazy offer? And I think one of these teams like the Red Sox will do that. Because, I mean, Red Sox, they need to get back. They need to get back. They're seeing, uh, obviously, the Yankees still ahead of them. Obviously, uh, Tampa Bay was just there trying to win a World Series. So, you know, they're falling further and further behind. And what's one way to get back? Go grab them a dominant pitcher. All right, Reds fans, let's hear from you. Four five seven nine four six four. We will step away for a few moments. We'll fill up the phone lines, and I want to hear your take on this. Is this a big deal that Trevor Bauer rejected the Reds' qualifying offer? It shouldn't be surprising, because even according to you know on Twitter, uh, you know when you look at the reaction there, a lot of people are expecting him to opt out as far as that's concerned and reject the qualifying offer. But do you expect the Reds to re-sign him? We did this poll yesterday, part of our Election Day show. Uh, you know, we sent people to the polls. How confident are you that he ends up back with the Reds next year? Have we seen the last of Trevor Bauer in a Reds uniform? The Reds have never had a Cy Young winner before, and as quickly as they got one, he's as quickly gone. Will we he call, be back? We call that grand opening, grand closing. There you go. We'll be back in a moment. Four five seven nine four six four. We'll talk with you Reds fans next. 
He's a former Buckeyes great and now a college football Hall of Famer. And don't forget about his 13... Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We're going to give you our top five, bottom five NFL teams coming up here just around the corner. We'll also chat with ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz coming up here in 10 minutes uh, as well. So excited to have that coming up around the corner. we got plenty of college football talk coming your way. Real quick, a little college basketball update for you. Uh, the Wright State Raiders announced their schedule earlier today. I shouldn't say they announced. The Horizon League announced its conference schedule. Um, Kev... There is one word that every time I talk to certain people within various athletic departments around here, whether it's at Ohio State or here, when it comes to college basketball, uh, there it, it, it starts with cluster, and then, of course, you could put your <laughs> any word you want after that. I mean, basketball is a mess right now. Yeah. Um, and it is supposed to start three weeks from today. The season technically starts three weeks from today or yesterday. Either way, it's three weeks from now uh, is when the college basketball season technically tips off as far as college basketball as a whole when it's supposed to. Um, so, again, everything's different because of COVID. The Horizon League announced their schedule. Um, Wright State will open up the season, at least in conference play, on December 19th at Detroit. Now, they'll play back-to-back nights. Oh. So they'll play Detroit on the 19th. They will play Detroit on the 20th. They will play at Detroit both nights. Yep. You look confused, but I'm telling you. But that's a conference game. Yep. And then um, their first home conference game will be against the Green Bay Phoenix. And they actually, Green Bay, they just hired uh, Bo Ryan's son. I saw that. Um, so I, I interviewed him, uh, his son, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. I, I host the league's podcast for them, and I got to interview uh, Ryan's son. Just is kind of cool, kind of hearing his story coming up. You know, we, we talked about his dad, whether his dad would be able to still, you know, coach the way he used to growing up. He said that's the one reason, one of the reasons his dad got out of coaching is just because you can't coach the kids the same way today. You know, you can't yell at kids like you used to be able to, and everything Arr. along those lines. And he said he wasn't patient enough to adapt, so he just said he got out. But so they'll play Green Bay. Their first home game for the Horizon League schedule, Kev, will be on December 26th. They will play Green Bay December 26th, the day after Christmas at home. And they will play Green Bay December 27th at home. So every opponent that they play, whether it's at home or on the road, they will play the same opponent at the same arena back-to-back days or nights. Mm. And this was done, of course, because of COVID to kind of limit travel uh, instead of having to drive, you know, fly or whatever to Green Bay to play and then Green Bay have to fly here to play. It's just, okay. now there's, you know, you just won't play Green Bay this year. They'll play here. Great. The only problem with that is the last couple seasons for Wright State to get to the NCAA tournament or at least to get a top seed within their conference is they have to get through Northern Kentucky or vice versa. Northern Kentucky has to get through them. They play at NKU on February nineteenth, and they play at NKU on February twentieth. That you know, that's a tough stretch for them. Yeah. Right? They have to play NKU at NKU back to back nights. Uh, Northern Kentucky has announced they will not have fans at games at all, uh, at least until the end of December, I believe. And they're going to reevaluate for how they want to do that moving forward. I don't know. I mean, just, I haven't even asked anybody at Wright State about what their policy is going to be as far as fans are concerned. And I know UD, there's already been a lot of upset people there, which, by the way, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no right or wrong way uh, to handle attendance. There's going to be people that have varying opinions on it, but there's no right or wrong way. They're not wrong if they want fans in there, socially distanced. But I also don't blame the schools that say, hey, you know what, we're not going to force feed this as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting how these arenas look for college basketball. We already see how strange it is for football. We just watched Ohio State and Penn State, um, you know, at Penn State under the lights where we usually see a whiteout. That was not the case that night. So 
College basketball is very strange. College football is very strange. Basketball is going to be just as strange. Other people I talked to about scheduling, you know, Wright State's having a hell of a time scheduling non-conference games right now. They only have about one that is tentatively scheduled. They have that with Miami of Ohio. That was uh, from a previous contract coming in. But there are a lot of teams that will not sign contracts to play. From what I'm hearing, these teams will not sign the contracts to play because there are rumblings of certain conferences. I don't know which ones. Certain conferences are probably going to go conference only. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't. That's why that you don't see teams signing contracts to you know to come play at the Nutter or to have them right state go play them. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. There's other teams around that particular conference that are playing at you know like Detroit's playing Michigan. They're playing Michigan State. Like they're playing some of the bigger schools. I don't know. I thought Wright State was going to be in a spot where they were going to play bigger schools and go get the payday. Right. Go accept the money to go get beat up a little bit, and that'll make up for some dollars that you're missing from not being you know, playing as many games or having fans in the stands during the season. But those teams aren't really looking to pay a lot of teams to come in either. You know, like, why do we, why are we going to pay teams to come in here to play games that we technically don't have to play in front right. of fans that aren't going to be there? So I see it too. It's just a big-time mess. I thought you would see more mid-major conferences group up. I thought you would see the MAC and the Horizon maybe pair up. Or, you know, what I'm saying, like, yeah. you know, some of those smaller conferences, you know, pair up and say, okay, you know, let's let's help each other out, give us our non-conference games, and then take, your conference will take care of you from there. This is, I, I, you know, Wright State, the Horizon League stuff came out today. The A-10 stuff, that's going to be kind of trickling out here uh, in the coming days as well, or at least within the next week. So we'll see how that's all going to unfold. How do you feel about these basically two straight road games basically you're playing every team on the road like twice if you play them on the road once you play them on the road twice you know before you would get one home and one away how do you feel about it because i know you do a lot of these games you cover these games you're at a lot of these games i mean you go down to nku whenever right state plays them you this is crazy like their biggest game is on the road twice i don't mind it right state really they can't get they cannot win in green bay they can't win in milwaukee for anything Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, they can't win in Milwaukee for anything. So they have Green Bay at home and they have Milwaukee at home. So those are two that, – that trip right there, usually Wright State struggles in. So if they had to play at Green Bay tw- uh, twice and at Milwaukee twice, I'd say, oh, that's a tough stretch for them because they don't win there. Whether they have the best team and they have the worst teams, they don't win there. So th- that's why I'm like – so they're fortunate because they get Green Bay at home and they get Milwaukee at home. So they avoid that tough road trip that they usually don't win at. And then it sucks that you have to go play at NKU twice back-to-back, but they win there. They get big wins at Northern Kentucky, so it's it, you know it is what it is. But it's fun to be able to talk some college basketball. We're going to be talking some UD stuff coming up here around the corner as well. Once we kind of have more of an idea of really not the A10 schedule, we kind of know that. But as far as more of the the you know A10 preseason awards, the Horizon Lake preseason awards will be coming in. If I had to guess, uh, from what I'm hearing, it's you know Scott Nagy's going to be coach of the year, preseason coach of the year. Loudon Love's going to be preseason player of the year. If I had to guess how that's going to be uh, unfolding, and the best part is for Loudon, I don't know what his plans are moving forward. Board, but this year doesn't count towards his eligibility. So hey. technically, this is his red shirt senior year. Come on, so back. he'll get the, the the red shirt Kenner senior year, the, <laughs> the extra extra senior year, um, as far as that's concerned. So, uh, but four five seven nine four six four is the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll be actually talking sure, with Coach yeah. Scott Nagy coming up here uh, within the next week, and we'll chat with him. So looking forward to that coming up around the corner. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, with you here. The phone lines are back up and rolling today again we have some calls coming in we're getting you guys uh, set up in line now um we'll hit the phone line so uh, the news broke coming into the show uh that trevor bauer did exactly what we expected him to do maybe not me uh but in the eyes of most expected him to decline the the uh you know the off the qualifying offer from the reds 
he's going to make bank. That's why as good as he was pitching in the year, every time he had a good outing, I'm like, okay, we need to stop cheering for this. This is only hurting our chances. <laughs> you know, Trevor Bauer announced last offseason that he was perfectly content with signing a one-year deal. Um, and I think the Reds were confident because, you know, he wasn't pitching at a level that you thought you were going to have to break the bank to keep him. He was just a good quality starter. You know, you, you pay a little bit, uh, do what you got to do. But now he's pitching at a level that is like Garrett Cole-esque. I mean, this we saw what, like, let's remember, like, not even four years ago, Garrett Cole was pitching for the Pirates and was just a good quality starter for the mm-hmm. Pirates. And, you know, I remember watching so many Reds games that Garrett Cole was pitching against them, and Garrett Cole didn't look like he did uh, when he was with the Astros, all right, and definitely doesn't look like he did with the Yankees. So we've seen guys who all of a sudden just something clicks again. Bowers always pitched at a high level as far as that's concerned, but he kind of lost a little bit of his step last year, a lot of distractions, you know, he, you know, butting heads with the Cleveland organization and then being traded and really never got his footing in Cincinnati for the back half of the season last year. But my goodness. He was locked in, and uh, every time he had one of those outings, I'm like, you know what? This sucks. I'm not even happy that he's pitching well because he's just pitching his way out of Cincinnati. So he's going to most likely bring a Cy Young, yeah. you know, <laughs> but we won't even get to cheer for him next year in Cincinnati as the Cy Young winner, most likely. As he leaves right out the back door. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I wish the phones were broken for this next guy that's calling in right now because I'm already ready for it. Charlie, welcome in, sir. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. Uh, don't sound all happy. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, well, I just got to say, I was kind of bummed out yesterday because I forgot that there's an age requirement in order to vote for president, right? Yes. And uh, I was trying to vote for Joe Burrow because, <laughs> I mean, it's not like he got drunk and arrested by the police in Oklahoma. You know, he's got a master's degree, so he's certainly qualified to run the country. If he, if he could uh, run- you're right. He, d- he does have a master's degree. He had a lot of extra time to study because he sure as hell wasn't starting most of his college career, that's for sure. Well, well, he wasn't busy trying to walk on teams because he's undersized. Okay. But, uh, you know what I was thinking? You know, I, at first I was like, well, we're off on a bye week, and the Browns are also off, so he, there's no way he could go up and play a game for Cleveland because I'm sure he's got the time. But since he lives in Athens, I mean, it's a couple hours. Maybe Baker could drive down and learn how to play quarterback, you know, at Joe Burrow Stadium. Oh. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. You've been locked yeah. and loaded. You've had a few days to think of these things, man. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> for you. I'm happy that you were able to get these off your chest, you know. Well, I mean, you know, you throw the ball like ten times, complete like five passes. You know, I know the weather in Cleveland's rough, and he's not used to it. You know, that's fine. Some guy from Vegas showed up and just whooped him. So, I, yeah, it's... I don't know what you do with that guy, Justin. I think I he's just know, fine. Man. He was 13 to 25, okay? Uh, five drop passes that were right in the hands. It was the receiver's fault, okay? He, they catch those five passes. That's 60-plus yards back in his stats. Uh, he would have a completion percentage over 70. Uh, he would have had the, that touchdown that he caught. That, you know, so I don't want to hear that, man. You, your oh, hate is not warranted now, here. Now it's could have, would have, should have. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you that if you want to talk about guys who had bad games, you talk about them receivers. You don't talk about old Baker. Well, 
you know, another thing he can learn from Joe Burrow. When one receiver's having a bad day, just throw to somebody. The else. one thing I'm learning <laughs> from Joe Burrow is that, hey, you just make excuse after excuse after excuse. Like, if I'm his offensive line, I let him get crushed against Pittsburgh. I'm a little upset if I'm his offensive line. They finally had one hell of a game, and no one's giving them any credit. The narrative is Joe Burrow won with all these backups. No, you don't have when your when your first string guys are as bad as they are. You don't even have first string guys. You you have nobody. So the second string guys or whatever you want to call them come in, finally block for him, and now they don't get any credit. Now it's oh man, Joe Burrow won despite the crap that was up on the offensive line for him. I'd be furious if I'm them. I'm letting him get rocked against the Steelers coming out of the bye week. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Anybody on that team would be willing to step up and play offensive line for Joe Burrow with pride because he's a true leader, and oh, you yeah. know that. Oh, he's such and, a big and leader. He should, and and yeah, I know what you tried to do Monday because you shut the phones off, which was <laughs> hilarious. It's genius then, on my part. And then and then all you did was just say, oh, well, Joe Burrow shouldn't get the credit for that. It's the offensive he shut line. It. Look how well he threw for played. 250 yards. I mean, I don't get – I mean, it was in a bad game. He played a good game. But, I mean, to sit there and act like he willed his team, he didn't look any different than any other week. The only guys that stepped up for the Bengals was actually that defense and the offensive line. They should be getting the credit, not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow played such a masterful game that he made his offensive line look like a bunch of all-stars because it's like, well, if you guys are just going to keep letting me get hit, I'm just going to avoid that. Remember the one play, like, he avoided like five sacks and still gained seven yards. I mean... Oh, trust me, there was a Cincinnati media member that made me want to puke because he tweeted out, that might have been the greatest six-yard pickup from the from a quarterback in the history of the NFL. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's literally what goes through these Cincinnati media members' minds covering this team. That's the greatest six-yard pickup in the history of Bengals football. Really, like that? You guys are nuts. You guys are insane. Hey, did anybody talk about the catch that Tyler Boyd made? You know what I'm talking about? Where it was like right by his head, and he was like engaged with a defender, and within a split second, he made that catch. That was. Like, all jokes aside, like, that was one of the coolest catches I've ever seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. His receivers make him look good. That's what, you know, that's what <laughs> Baker did not have this past Sunday as far as that goes. No, by the way, and, all, and you know, jokes aside, that's a huge win. Um, I hate that they have the Steelers coming out of the bye week because it would be nice if you had a team that wasn't like as stacked like that. Because you take that win and you, if like you had like the Raiders or someone that you could like potentially beat coming out of the break, you could build on that. I just, what I think could potentially happen is you're riding high after a win over the Titans and then the Steelers just put a pounding on them. And then it's like, how do you get some of that momentum back that you had after the win over the Titans? I almost wish they didn't have a bye week. Do you like that they have a bye week after a big win like that? They needed it. They needed it very bad. I mean, look at look at how many people are hurt right now on their team. And now you've got now you can actually make a decision, maybe put together a halfway decent offensive line. And and who do you like? I mean, Quentin Spain. You know, he's he's earned himself a starting spot as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if it was very hard, but uh, you know, somebody who just comes in with like five minutes on the playbook and plays like that. That was the first time I saw we actually had you know a push-up front for the run game all season. Like, do you agree? Like, I feel like we haven't had any running blocks, you know, like 
We haven't had anything up front as far as No, that that was the difference. Like, what was it? Two, it was two years ago when Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing, and that was the one thing that we were, you know, we were bashing the offensive line, but I was like, well, they're horrible pass blockers, but they did a great job of creating, you know, openings and creating lanes for Joe Mixon, who led the AFC in rushing that year. Uh, and then we thought he was going to build on that last year, but then last year the offensive line, they couldn't pass block, they couldn't run block, and that's been the case this year. But you're right, that was their best overall performance offensive line-wise. Um, but again, do it two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, because it's so good. Guys are building. I'll buy into it. But it was just one game. But it was a good game, and you want to see that. So I'll give you that. I'll give you well, that. Well, I'll say this, and I'll let you go. Yeah. You know, you saying it's too bad we got to come against the Steelers after a bye because they're such a stacked team. That's a Browns fan's point of view. You know, like, when you don't have a quarterback to play a team, like, I, Joe Burrow picked Pittsburgh apart. He'll, he'll reveal Pittsburgh for who they are. They're not All right. You see, Charlie, I'm just going to cut you off there. I was trying to have an adult conversation. <laughs> I was praising the offensive line. I was, But then you got to go into la-la land again and start talking about how Joe Burrow's going to dice up the defensive line or the defense for the Steelers. Now, come on. Hey, who day? Kev Nash, I love you. Uh-huh. You run Dayton. Hey, you run Dayton, and, and I, you know what? The votes are up in two because what's really going on is you probably won the presidency, so <laughs> you might be running America's in. But, hey, it, it's Bengals Steelers coming up next week, so we'll, we'll see what's up, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds, sounds like the Steelers have a bye week that week, too, then. <laughs> well, I mean, they got, the, they got the Cowboys this week, so, I mean, that's, that's a bye week right there. They get back-to-back bye weeks. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, that's a joke of a team. You don't even talk about them no more. No, we have we have our own jokes in this state to talk about. We don't need to go to Texas for that. But Charlie, you take care. Man, I, you saw me. I was trying to be you like, nice. oh, you know. But then he had to go back into that with how Joe Burrow going to destroy. I mean, even you. Come on, now he, he, Joe Burrow going to destroy the Steelers? Nah, destroy. Come on. Well, to be fair, he could probably throw for 125 yards, one touchdown, and three picks, and they're going to talk about that one touchdown and say how he just literally he threw a touchdown against the Steelers' defense and Baker Mayfield couldn't. Blah, 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 blah. I think there's only two quarterbacks that can destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers. One is Tom Brady and the other is Patrick Mahomes. Can other quarterbacks beat them? Of course. Of course. I think, uh, you know, not to be like Steelers heavy real quick, but, you know, currently they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. I saw something on ESPN talking about they could go 16-0. and Look, man, they're not going 16-0, and man. They're not. They're probably going to lose to the Ravens the second time. And in all actuality, the Ravens outplayed the Steelers. If Lamar doesn't throw two interceptions, they lose that game. Um, they're probably going to lose a game that everybody's expecting them to win. Is it this week versus Cowboys? I saw that they got um, making another quarterback change down there in Dallas. Is it going to be the following week to young Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Potentially. They're probably going to lose the, the second matchup versus the Browns. I don't see them winning more than 12 games. I just don't. Well, let's I mean here's what's coming up for Pittsburgh. So you got the Cowboys. All right, 7 to no, that's 8 no. Bengals <laughs> 9 to no. Jaguars 10 to no. Ravens, here's like the thing though. If here's why I like I'm, I'm definitely not predicting the Steelers to go undefeated. But man, that defense is something. Yes. When's the last time Pittsburgh had, I mean, they're known for their defense, but, like, this is, I mean, the Ravens on paper. <laughs> yeah, but this is basically the same team. But, again, it's just, just another, it's another full season. Got a quarterback so, now. I mean, this was a team that was so embarrassingly bad offensively last year. Mm-hmm. 
that somehow they found themselves at 8-8 eight eight at the end of the year, and it's because of that defense. So yeah. that defense took a embarrassingly bad offense and, and allowed them to be 8-8. Eight and eight. Now you have a competent offense with, with Big Ben, you know, back into the starting lineup. You know, he's running that, you know, running that offense. You know, Claypool's emerged. Um, I mean, we thought that we were waiting for Juju Smith-Schuster to be the guy, and now he is the guy in his comfortable role of being the number two, which is what we talked about. I don't know if Claypool's number one, but he's acting like the number one. Yeah. He is the number one, and that's what's allowed Juju Smith-Schuster to become comfortable. I'm not predicting them to go undefeated, but damn, even against the Ravens, you could just tell the difference between, you know, could Big Ben keep up with Lamar? No, but that defense slowed down Lamar and caused four turnovers. They Maybe they lose to the Ravens, but then you got the Bills after that. Maybe you'll circle that and say, okay, that could be a close one. I think the Steelers beat them. You got the Bengals again, you got the Colts, and the Browns to close out the year. I see two losses. This could be a 14-win uh, football team when it's all said and done. Don't get me wrong. I'll take it. But I just think that's how the NFL works. You start schedule watching. You start like looking ahead and saying, oh, that's a win, that's a win. You start circling the wins, and then, boom, out of nowhere, freaking – Joe Burrow throws for 400 yards and they win a game and like well nobody saw that coming and are the Steelers who we thought they were they looked a little suspect versus the Bengals and the Bengals aren't really that good all that type of talk starts I just think that eventually they're gonna lose obviously and there's several games on there that I think they're potentially could lose they could definitely they can lose to the Colts I've been talking so much trash about Philip Rivers he's actually been playing pretty good football not turning the ball over left and right his last bad game was against the Browns right you know a month ago at the beginning of October yeah. so he's picked up his play um the Ravens you telling me that they're thinking like all right hold on we ran for over 250 yards against the number one run defense in the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, Lamar is going to be licking his chops to say, man, I got to get a victory over a top-level team because versus everybody else, I win. I just don't win versus the Steelers and KC. I got to beat them eventually. So this is another opportunity on Thanksgiving. So I'm looking at really those two games for potential losses. And I honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but I think that the Browns, and the Bengals do have an opportunity to beat the Steelers, especially the way the Bengals pass the ball. Um, if they go back to this style that they've been playing, um, really shotgun heavy, rolling him out, passing the ball a ton, they have the potential to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, mainly because, look, the two best games that Burrow has had has come result. Well, no, I lied. He's had great games pretty much every week. The two best games that the Bengals have had have resulted in wins. And both what what both of those have in common is the fact that they were able to protect Joe Burrow. Both wins mm -hmm. combined. That's a good point. Joe Burrow has been hit. Joe Burrow has been sacked one time in two wins. So mm -hmm. when that offensive line shows up, they win. That's why I'm not I'm not being a Bengal hater here. I'm just saying that right there is why they are not beating the Steelers because. Look, I'm not doing that. Well, because the Browns could do it. There's no way they can. But the one thing about the Browns, I'm not talking about the quarterback play. I'm talking about the offensive line play. Mm -hmm. That offensive line for Cleveland is night and day better than what the Bengals right. have. And Cleveland or in Pittsburgh just annihilated them. Here's the deal. I know we talk about how Pittsburgh and Cleveland, you know, Cleveland or Pittsburgh doesn't look at Cleveland as a rival. But you got to, you have to admit this. When I watched that Browns Steelers game that day, they came. Pittsburgh came out with an energy that was like they were motivated just to shut this team up. I think if that they is, don't have the energy to shut Cincinnati up, maybe they become a little vulnerable. I'm not picking the Bengals over the Steelers. But if Pittsburgh flips that switch right. and they have that desire to say, okay, we shut Baker up, we shut the Browns up, we have another young quarterback who's newer, you know, new in the league, 
and we got to we got to make sure we remind the Browns and the Bengals just who the hell we are because right. people were starting to doubt Pittsburgh a little bit. You know, Big Ben's getting up in age, and it's like, hey, that defense is like, hey, you can question him. You ain't going to question us. Right. They put on a show against Lamar, four turnovers. They put on a show against Baker Mayfield. Now it's Joe Burrow's turn here in two weeks. So that's all I'm saying. Is I like the way you it, think. If they flip that switch, <laughs> but think about the, the most like the every the most energy I've seen from them have come all in division games, which that's good for Mike Tomlin, who's been able to train them to say, hey, these division games matter more than any of the other ones. If we're going to get a loss, it better be to a team like Buffalo. It better be to a team that you know that you know a, you know even a Baltimore. If at least they're good, we're not going to lose to Cleveland. We're not going to lose to Cincinnati. You don't lose to teams like that. So that's why I just because of that offensive line. That's why I'm saying. They're not beating Pittsburgh. That's fair. Joe Burrow's good enough to beat Pittsburgh if they could block for him, but you ain't blocking that 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 Pittsburgh defense with that offensive line. That's fair. And another thing, if Pittsburgh runs this gauntlet of games versus teams that are up and down, and they're going into the last week of the season versus the Browns, and they got everything sold up, thirteen and three. Yeah, <laughs> like if they if they got everything on lock, they're not playing Ben. Like, they're going to try to win with the backups because there's no reason to go out there to try to do anything. Like, the only way you go out there and try to win that game is if you're undefeated and you're trying to make history. Keep in mind. But the likelihood of that is so unlikely, man. I just I just don't see the point. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. The one thing working against an older veteran team like the Steelers, they don't have a bye week. Right. Their, their bye week's done. Already gone. I joked about the Bengals being their bye week, but no, they don't have a bye week the rest of the way moving forward. They're at you know, they're at Dallas this week, uh Cincinnati on the fifteenth, they're at, you know, the Jaguars, and then it's you know, it's a fairly it's a manageable schedule. Yeah, it's, it's not manageable. an over it's not an overwhelming schedule for Pittsburgh. But you're right, we look up there seven and oh, and there's really not a team on this schedule that you're looking at and saying, Oh man, Pittsburgh has separated themselves a little bit. I don't know where you have them on your top five. We're gonna get to our top five, bottom five coming up here in hour number two. Uh but man, I, I've been Big Ben is just I mean, sixteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns. Baker has more passing yards and the same amount of touchdowns. But Big Ben looks like a million times better than Baker Mayfield. As far as that's because it's funny how stats don't always tell the story. Sometimes you just got to watch. I mean, if I'm going to use the stats, you know, we could do that with Joe Burrow, too. The stats, people want to hide behind to watch the games, though. Yeah. Baker has just as many yards as Big Ben. Do you think he looks like Big Ben? Watch the game. <laughs> he games. has the same amount of touchdowns. Do you think he looks like Big Ben? Absolutely not, as far as that's concerned. All right, folks, you're listening to the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. What a day. Kev's maybe, I mean, I just spent 10 minutes talking about how I think the Steelers are going to go 14-2. and two. <laughs> That's blah. My I mean, day. I, I, I can't believe it. can't believe it. The Steelers and Cowboys coming up this weekend, bye week for the Browns and Bengals. I hate that they have their bye week at the same time. I hate it. I would love to be talking about how one of the teams at is playing, one, you know, yeah. at least one of the teams. The fact that they both, but then again, after this weekend, though, it's fun the rest of the way moving forward because both teams are locked in the rest of the way, knock on wood. COVID always has its own ideas of how it wants to manage a season. I think uh, 49ers sense. had a little outbreak. They play Thursday night football tomorrow night against the Packers. Um, they shut down a facility due, a, to, uh, due to a positive test. I haven't read the update on that yet. Everyone got tested. I think everyone tested. Uh, they had one test positive, which led to the facility being shut down. Of course, they're redoing the testing. If everyone tests positive tomorrow, uh, then just that one player will be out as far as that's concerned. And I'm not even 100% sure it was a player that tested positive. I think it was uh, someone on their staff. 
But either way, we'll have that answer for you on the other side. We're going to get to our conversation with Jason Fitz coming up here in just a little bit. Talk a little college football. We put it out earlier today, but when we talked with Jason Fitz, we were talking about who our college football, you know, what our college football playoff poll would look like. Kevin, I have our polls for you, too, coming up around the corner. Uh, But we got a busy hour, too, coming up. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash next. Susie, I love you. Your skin is soft like a fresh leather interior. Oh, Joe. Your smell is intoxicating like that of a new tire. You always know how to make me blush. So this year I got you something special. Tires. Touring tires with an asymmetrical tread design. Whether it's betting on the big game, catching up on bills, or saving up for the holidays, we could all use a little extra cash this time of year. Hey, how does a thousand dollars sound? It's the ESPN Dayton. Hashtag we wanna get paid. The Justin Kinner Show. Live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, back with you here on a Wednesday. Everyone I talk to today, Kev, everyone feels like it's like a Friday. Like, every time, I mean, we talked earlier, like, what day is it? I'm like, it feels like a Friday. Yeah. And it's depressing, because then we did the math, and <laughs> it all equaled up to only being Wednesday. Yeah, uh, as man. As far as that goes. But no, I hope everyone's having a great day. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of political tension out there, and uh, we're not trying to slap you upside the head with political talk today, so don't worry, we're good. We'll stick to sports. Stick we to do sports. here. I do have a question for you about last night. I'm not telling you who I voted for. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not asking. Kanye ain't going to win anyway. <laughs> How long did you stay up? Uh, I was asleep by 10.30 last night. Oh. I was asleep by 10.30. I didn't mean to be asleep by 10.30. But, well, when I realized, too, that the election wasn't going to be, like, four years ago, I remember, I tried to stay up as long as I could because we knew we were going to know the answer by, you know, late at night by morning. This election, we knew... Like, nothing was going to be counted on right. time. And I shouldn't say on time, but it wasn't going to be counted in the original time that we're used to as right. far as elections are concerned. So uh, that's why everyone on social media yesterday, oh, by this time tomorrow, this political party is going to be bitching and complaining. No, but this time tomorrow, I'm like, actually, no, we're going to be bitching. Again. We're all, we're, this is the most <laughs> united we've all been. We're all, we all just want this damn election to hurry up and get over with as far uh, as that's concerned. But, uh, I, you know, it is what it is at, at this point. So it's it's a soap opera. That's yeah, for sure. that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I didn't stay up watching it. I watched. I was tuning in and out watching other things and, you know, check here and there. But uh, like you said, anybody that was aware of everything that was going on, we weren't going to get an answer last night. So there was no need to stay up till 2, 3 in the morning. I know some people that stayed up that late trying to hold out to see who was going to win. I was like, dude, you missed out on some great sleeping. <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting time. Uh, that is for sure. And there's just so much negativity going on on social media that, you know, you can't talk politics without it getting ugly. You can't talk, you know, I can't bring up the Browns without the Bengals making it ugly. I can't talk Bengals without the Browns fans making it ugly. You know, there's a lot of correlation between those two uh, as far uh, as that's concerned. But no, you know, we're 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 sticking to sports, folks. We're not going to have a hard opinion on anything one way or another at this point. It's just one of those where I'm seeing all these articles about election fatigue and everything. I'm like, it's political fatigue, man. Political fatigue. 2020 has just been one. Uh, I mean, we are a, a walking pinata, and 2020 is just hitting the hell out of us every time it, it, it has a chance. So I do want to see the ratings for <laughs> these networks, though, after the election. I bet you they're through the roof. Uh, it's unbelievable as far as that's concerned. So, uh, but all right, uh, let's uh, stick to sports, shall we? Let's sure. uh, talk about, of course, well, the NFL right now. Can you believe we're at the halfway point? We are at the halfway point. This we season are is moving fast. Very fast. All things fast. considered. Yeah. 
I mean, it's so weird just looking at college football, too, you know, to see so many teams with seven games played and Ohio State only having two. It's Pac-12 kinda, kicks off this week. Yeah. Maction tonight. Mac tonight. I love it. Uh, but it's, you know, something normal where in the NFL, everybody plays the same amount of games. It was weird looking at so many Major League Baseball teams having 10 games played and other teams having 30 games played. So this is like some the, type of normalcy. The Reds, were, I'll never forget that night that, you know, the Reds were playing their 20th game of the season when the Cardinals were playing their 6th game of the season, which now doesn't sound so weird at the time. It just sounded, it was mind-boggling to me. But now, because of how strange everything is, uh, when you look at what's going on in college football, as you talked about, with Ohio State you know, heading into their Week 3, uh, while Clemson and everyone else is playing their, what, their 8th game yeah. or whatever already? I mean, it's, it, it's interesting as far as that goes. But hey, you know what? My favorite part of the college football season is coming up when, of course, we finally dive into the, the college football playoff polls. You know, when the polls tell us what we want, uh, and I'm not you know, talking politics, relax, folks. You hear polls, everyone's head. You know, when the college football playoff polls come out, if they have your team where you want them, they're credible, they're good. Uh, but when your team's not where you want it to be, uh, well, you know, who cares? This poll doesn't matter. All that matters is the last one, right? Like, that's always my favorite. Uh, every, you know how many times I hear that a year when we're doing this show? Or, oh, you know, yeah. Oh, is it you? I am that guy. I think guy. it is you too all that matters is the last one but you're right but at the same time it still triggers a reaction from for us. sure and that's what all these dumb polls do how many weeks straight weeks have we talked about the ap poll and how pointless it is and how stupid it is how teams are moving up and down in rankings without even playing a game but yet every week can you believe that so and so is ranked here <laughs> they, that's why they put it out as far as that's concerned all right let's kick things off with our nfl week Nine top five, bottom five. We're heading into week nine of the NFL season. Every week we give you our top five teams in the NFL and our bottom five teams. I've had the Cincinnati Bengals in my bottom five every week of the season. <laughs> I don't know if that trend continues or not, Kev, but I'm going to let you start things off. You want to start with your top five or your bottom five? No, let's get this trash out the way. Let's get this trash out the way. All right, so here's Kev Nash's bottom five. If you're watching live, head to Facebook, search the Justin Kenner Show, uh, and you'll be able to watch the show there. And again, Kev is going to walk you through his bottom five teams in the National Football League. If you're watching live on Facebook, here's his list. All right, so number 32, obviously, the Jets. They're horrible. They're terrible. They're tanking. Adam Gacy, whatever your name is, you're terrible, coach. Keep it up because you're going to get the number one pick. Uh, 31, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the mustache is just not working anymore. Talking to me? No, no, no. Your, this yours is working. working. Yours Someone always already. Works. Hold up, real quick. I, I, you bring up the mustache. Doug Morgan says, "Kenner, shave that '70s porn stash, brother, or <laughs> grow the goatee back. You know we can see you, right?" <laughs> That's not even the worst thing he says because he ends it with "Go Bengals." <laughs> like I was saying, man, Jacksonville, Minshew. Like they're just not moving the ball anymore. At least before, Minshew was moving the ball up and down the field, making games exciting. Their games aren't even exciting anymore. So, Jacksonville, you're 31. 30, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I was reading this thing from Damian Woody, and he said he recommends them tanking the rest of the season. Blowing it up. Not only tanking it, but blowing it up. Like getting rid of certain players like a Cooper and a Zeke. So that's something to keep an eye on with the Dallas Cowboys, but they're definitely in the bottom five. Another member of the bottom five squad, the New York football giants. They put on a great effort on Monday Night Football versus Tampa Bay, but they didn't get it done. Was that pass interference, by the way, on that two-point conversion? You think it was pass interference? On which one? The two-point conversion. Uh, Danny Dimes threw it to the flats. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. knocked it away. It was a real bang-bang play. 
I mean, you can almost call you can call pass interference on almost every play. Uh, I didn't have really an opinion one way or another about it, to be honest with you. I mean, like any time that it, there's a game that or there's a play in the final stretches of a really close game and, and a play has a game on the line, mm-hmm. we're always going to nitpick it because you can always probably make a call almost on every play in football. I don't think there is such thing as a clean play in football. Right. I think, you know, uh, but uh, no, I think everything's magnified in those situations. I think you go what was called on the field and they actually called pass interference on the field and they picked up the flag and that emotion of me being a Tom Brady hater came out like, of course they pick up the flag. It's Tom Brady. They're not going to let Tom Brady not win this game on Monday night. So, New York Football Giants, great effort on Monday night, but you're still in the bottom five. And brand new to the bottom five at 28, the Texans. Deshaun Watson, I love you. Love you as a quarterback. Love you as a player. Love you as a human being, man. But y'all terrible. Like, at least you're excited to watch because your defense is that bad that you guys are running up and down the field scoring a lot of points. At least you got that going for you, but you're definitely one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, they set themselves up for failure when you know you had the issues going on at the beginning of the season when they traded away Deshaun Hopkins. Uh, when they moved on from Hopkins, I don't get how uh, you know. And, and again, that's when you had given him too much power up front. And now they've moved on from that coach. Now you have Romeo Cornell leading the way. It is what it is at this point. To go back to your point about the Jets, it was funny. The uh, you know the you know the owner of the Jets comes out and announces that you know Adam Gase is part of their plans. That he's part of what they're trying to accomplish <laughs> this year. And of course, right away the jokes basically write themselves. Yes, he is a part of it. He is coaching your team to a winless record so far. And if he's gotten you this far in the past to get a Trevor Lawrence, you know what? Let him complete the journey. You don't want to risk making a coaching change when most times when you make a coaching change a lot of times teams play really inspired football yep. for a small stretch let's be clear uh when the when the texans moved on from bill o'brien what happened the texans won now it's their only <laughs> win of the season right but let's do you realize that had the texans kept bill o'brien that we have the that we would have the texans and the jets as two win the two winless teams in the nfl the texans only have one win right if they don't, they got the only win of the uh, the only win on the season that the Texans have is after they fired Bill O'Brien, and that's what always happens. The team always plays inspired football when they, you know what I mean, when they make a coaching change. So the Jets are actually the one that they're doing that is intelligent. We're bad for a reason. Why do we want to get better right. as far as that's concerned? So I'll give him that. The other thing I was going to bring up, Garrett Gilbert is uh, being announced yeah. as the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys coming up this week against the Steelers. Now, what I found funny is is that Mike McCarthy says today that the reason that they are benching uh, Ben DiNucci is because they feel like with going up against a you know a high-powered defense like the Steelers this weekend, that they don't feel uh, like it's right to send a young quarterback like Danucci out against them. You don't know how to tank, do you? <laughs> like, I'm not saying Garrett Gilbert's going to beat the Steelers. All I'm saying is, is if you know that Ben Danucci can't handle it, that's why you throw him out there. You need him to go do what he does, and that's be bad. <laughs> well, you're at this point. You, Damian, what do you talked about it? Um, you know, it, it is what it is. So I, I, it's interesting to me. But yeah, you don't know how to tank. If you're taking out your quarterback because you think he's not good enough to beat a team this weekend, you're not tanking right. Leave him in. <laughs> Leave him in. My goodness. Isn't Garrett Gilbert one of the many former starters for the Cleveland Browns? Uh, I mean, there's a few former starting quarterbacks for the Browns, but yes, he got to mm. go around. Was it the year that Deshaun? I think it was part of the own 16 year, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. Uh, by the way, was I saw some highlights the other night about the. Um, uh, I, I saw some highlights of that from the Clemson Notre Dame game. Uh, the last time the two teams played, 
and Deshaun Kaiser was the quarterback for Notre Dame that year. So that, you know, I was like, man, that seems like forever ago, but it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago as far as that goes. So that is Kev Nash's bottom five. One more time: the Jets, Jaguars, Cowboys, Giants, and Texans. The Texans being the newest team to his bottom five. But yeah, that's crazy. The Texans are you have a number twenty eight, but do you realize they're only won one game? There's a lot of one win teams, but. If they don't fire Bill O'Brien, they're probably 0 and what, 7? 0 and 6 or 0 and 7 right now? I mean, come on. Ouch. That's close. All right, that's Kev Nash's bottom five. Let's take a look at the top five for Kev Nash. Kev, that's your bottom five. Who do you have in your top five? Again, if you're live on Facebook, you can follow along. Head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinder Show. You'll be able to see the list for Kev Nash. I'll have my list coming up here in just a few moments. Here's the list for Kev Nash's top five following week eight. Ah, at number five, the one, the only, Drew Brees. I write Drew Brees about his arm being shot, but guess what? They're winning games. Without Michael Thomas. Yes, they're They're winning games. They're only going to get better. Yeah, they're winning games, and that's really what matters in this league is winning games. And they got a big matchup this week. First, my number four team, welcome to the party, the Buccaneers. Even though they got an ugly win on Monday versus the terrible New York Giants, they still won, and they're winning. So this matchup between the Buccaneers and Saints this weekend, definitely can't wait for that. Obviously, the Saints won the first game, but uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to win the next game. Uh, number three, uh, Seattle Seahawks. They're back in action. They're back scoring a ton of points. Russell Wilson throwing it deep to DK Metcalf, to Tyler Lockett. Like, he's out here doing his thing. And actually, actually, I think, I think, this is just a total guess, I think the addition of Carlos Dunlap, is going to make them play some type of defense. Some type of defense. You don't need to be the 85 Bears. You just need to be able to slow somebody down, force a punt every once in a while to get it back to your MVP caliber quarterback. Number two, number two, my Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team in the NFL, second best team in the league. And number one, the champs, the champs. Yes, they got a loss. The Steelers don't have a loss, but the champs are the best. And guess what? Everybody in the AFC, you're just playing for your chance to lose to the champs. <laughs> Steelers included. You're not beating the champs. You're not beating them. All right. So his Kev Nash's top five again. Uh, at number one, he is the Kansas City Chiefs. His Pittsburgh Steelers come in at number two. At number three, he has the Seahawks right back up uh, where they've pretty much been living for the whole season anyways. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers crack your top five at number four. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints get up into the top five action as well. Keep in mind the Saints, they just haven't looked as pretty as what they uh, as what we're accustomed right. to seeing from them offensively. Uh, but they've been without Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, they, they're clicking. They're rolling. Yep. Uh, yep. And they got a big one with the Bucks coming Ooh. up. So it's just one of those. And is Michael Thomas back yet, by the way? I don't think so. I, I got to know what's going on there, man. Well, there was two weeks ago, there were articles. I had both of them printed out. We talked about them here on the show. The Saints, there were rumors and speculations behind the scenes that, you know, not too long after the Saints gave, you know, gave him that record deal, we're already looking to move on from him. Ooh. Signing record deals in the NFL doesn't keep you married <laughs> to teams. Teams move on from those all the time. I mean, look at the the Rams and Gurley. Gurley's on his like second or third different team since the Rams when he left the first time. That's why when you talked about the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott, don't be surprised. Remember, I had the theory that, okay, the Cowboys could potentially uh, draft, you know, Justin Fields and move on from Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. The other thing they could do is pay Dak Prescott, even if it's the franchise deal or the, if they franchise tag him again. They could try to move on from Zeke and try to, you know, replenish some money there and maybe get some draft picks because right now that's what they're looking to do as far as that's concerned. So it'll be interesting. So that's Kev Nash's top five, his bottom five. Let's move on to mine, shall we? The Justin Kinner 
top five in the NFL. Uh, as far as that's concerned, let's take a look at that right now. I have the Steelers at number one. Not just because they're undefeated, but because that defense, nothing comes close to that defense. The Buccaneers probably are a little close to that defense, mm-hmm. but nothing comes close to that defense. Uh, last year, that same defense, as we talked about earlier, took a team that was so embarrassingly bad offensively and led them to eight eight wins. You eight know that, wins. That's one of the things that I read these articles and some people say, like, turnover luck. Like, they use this phrase, turnover luck. I don't think turnovers are luck. I think they're creating turnovers. This is going to be the second year in a row where they're out here causing fumbles left and right, getting interceptions. I don't think fumbles and interceptions are turnovers. I don't believe in turnover luck. These coaches are teaching these guys these things to strip sacks and, you know, play the ball in coverage one type of way. Like, you think that Tampa Bay had a pick six versus Aaron Rodgers off luck? Like, they shut Aaron Rodgers down because their defense played good ball and they picked them off fair and square. So I don't believe in turnover luck. Um, This is one of those things where uh, Pittsburgh, the thing that they do well is get pressure on the quarterback. But the thing that Patrick Mahomes does better than anybody is get the ball out of his hands fast. And that is going to be a recipe recipe for a disaster if they meet in the playoffs. All right, so I have the Steelers at number one. I have to keep the Chiefs at number two, and I was really debating on what to do with the Buccaneers until I watched them the other night. Um, <laughs> you know, Ron, it was funny on Facebook, you know, Buccaneers fan Ron, basically Tampa fan Ron, because he's a Rays fan and right. lightning, whatever he can get his hands on from Tampa as far as that's concerned. He was, Ron, you're being awfully cocky for a guy that has a team that just narrowly escaped one of the worst teams in the National Football. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there. But I have the Chiefs at number two because, really, they haven't even done anything to deserve falling from number one, but that's just how good the Steelers look right now. Um, I think that the Chiefs are are the best offensive team in football. I know the numbers show that that's the Seahawks, but I think you take what the, what the Chiefs are capable of doing. They have a defense that's not the best in the league, but it's better than the Chiefs, or it's better than the Seahawks. That's yeah. why I have to have them ahead there. Steelers one, Chiefs two. Uh, I have to put the Buccaneers at number three. I had them, you know, I just added them, what, a week ago, two weeks mm-hmm. ago, as far as that goes. We can't deny how good uh, this this Buccaneers team is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were good on paper. They looked a little slow to start, but to be fair, they haven't had, like, we know how good this this team looks on paper, but they haven't had all their weapons held. Right. They're going to have Antonio Brown this weekend. Uh, they announced that today. He will have officially be in the lineup coming up this weekend. Um, so we're going to get to see Tom Brady with all his new toys. Now with that, there's been a lot of giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, he's looked good. He's looked really good. Um, but when he's made some shaky decisions, it's like, well, you know, he's getting to learn this team. Hey, you know, you know that type of... But keep in mind, you're, the more talent you put around him, the less forgiving fans are going to be, at least mm-hmm. outside of the Tampa area. So we'll see how that works. I do have the Seahawks coming in at number four. Um, that score, you know, what Russell Wilson's being able to do with that offense. But again, a very strange trade deadline. None of these teams got, tried to better themselves. I just think, don't think it's nothing out there. Like what they need, what the Browns need, they need defense, they need linebackers, they need safeties. Who's out there? I don't think nobody's out there. I mean, they had Earl Thomas. You know, back when, back in the day, and everything like that. So I guess the only deal that the Browns could have made, and they can make that today if they felt like it, they could sign Earl Thomas because he's a free agent. But I don't see anybody out there really trade worthy. I mean, heard JJ Watt's name floating around. Like, he's a pass rusher, he's not a guy in the middle 
of the action in the middle linebacker stopping the run and everything like that. He's an edge player. So I just really don't think there was anything out there for the Seahawks to make or the Browns to make on the trade market. There's always something out there. <laughs> there's always something out there. There's a lot of teams right now, especially heading into an offseason, where there's a lot of uncertainty as far as what teams are going to be willing to spend in free agency. Um a lot of teams are going to rely on getting better through the draft, and that's mm-hmm. it. And that's whether you have multiple first-round picks or no first-round picks. The draft might be the only additions that a lot of these teams make to their rosters this coming yeah. up season, uh, out you know outside of the vet minimum guys. So I- I'm wondering, we're seeing in baseball where COVID didn't impact the 2020 baseball season. I mean, it did in regards to how they they had to structurally build it to play during a pandemic. But the pandemic didn't impact the 2020 season financially outside of no fans in the stands. All of that impact is going to impact the teams next year. Same thing with football. Every time, every week, every football game that kicks off, every time that there's a game out on that field with little to no fans, that financial impact is not impacting them that night. It's impacting them come January, come February, come March, come the off season, come the draft. So, uh, to me, I think that's another reason you saw a lot of teams uh, kind of stay pats a little bit as far as that's concerned. Yeah, uh, but I have the Seahawks at number four and the Packers at number five. Yes, the Packers just mm. lost. But look, these the Packers aren't good enough to go 16 and 0, which means it's kind of foolish to sit there and say that we expect them to go 16 and 0. So I'm not going to overreact when a team loses, just like I'm not going to overreact when a team wins. Uh, but I'm not going to overreact when a team loses and bump them out of my top five. I'm going to bump them down in my top five, but I'm not going to bump them out of my top five. Uh, Steelers one, Chiefs two, Buccaneers three, Seahawks four, and the Packers coming in at number five. There really is not a lot of teams separating themselves. I mean, Pittsburgh, I think because they look solid offensively, not great, Mm -hmm. that's the only reason we're not saying that they've created a gap between them and everyone else. Kansas City looks good offensively, but defensively some weeks they look a little soft. Then you have the Chiefs, or then you have the Saints. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't speak today. Then you have the Buccaneers, who are inconsistent on a game-to-game basis. The Seahawks, all offense, no defense. Packers look like Super Bowl contenders one week, and then they collapse. They're two bad losses this year. They get blown out by Buccaneers. You lose to them. You can't get blown out. Right. But you lose to the, 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 the Vikings. That's a problem, too. So Man, they, got, they need help desperately on linebacker levels, man. Like, they They're just a team that should have made a... Swish teased them on defense. They should have at least explored options, but they historically never do. Yeah. All right, that's my top five. One more time, Steelers, Chiefs, Bucks, Seahawks, and Packers. And now for the bottom five. Oh, boy. Number 32, the Cincinnati Bengals. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Just joking. Uh, number 32, the New York Jets, Jets, Jets. Number 31, the Dallas Cowboys. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are garbage. I mean, it is just, it is absolutely horrible. Um, look, this isn't, and for one, Dak Prescott's getting way too much credit for, oh, look at this team without him versus with them. It would be one thing if this team had some fight left in them and they just didn't have a quarterback to get him over the hump. This team has just quit. Yeah, they quit. This team, like, Dak, yes, Dak Prescott, they were playing better with him. And that maybe speaks to the leadership qualities that he has, that even with the dysfunction with the with the coaching staff, that the team felt like they were playing for Dak Prescott. But this team has just straight up quit. So they're not this bad because, oh, Dak Prescott's not out on the field to lead them. You know, They were losing with them. But this team has just straight up quit. And I, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt due to injuries because effort can be there. You could still be trying. The Bengals were, before last week, 1-5-1 one, and one, heading in uh, to week 8. But... They had only got blown out once. They were in every single game. You could lose games and still be giving an effort. And the Bengals were giving an effort. They were losing by one possession every single week. They were trying. The Cowboys were just straight up damn embarrassing. 
I, I hate that the two teams in the NFL that I'm a fan of, the, the, the two teams that just give people more headaches than anybody else. So I have the Cowboys at number 31. The Jaguars, as you talked about, too. Again, our list is very similar. Minshew, I knew wasn't the answer for this team coming in. You were like, wait and see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I didn't need to see. I knew Minshew wasn't the answer. But to be honest, the Jaguars aren't as bad as what they wanted to be. I think they wanted to be worse than what they are. I think, one. I think they're mad that the Jets have st- kind of stolen their thunder a little bit. And I bet you the Jaguars are kicking themselves that they tried to beat the Dolphins earlier in the year. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is what it is as far as that's concerned. But the Jaguars, one win on the year. I have them at number 30. The Giants, I don't care that they took it to the Buccaneers. That speaks more about the Buccaneers playing down to the level of their competition. A little bit of a trap game. They have the Saints coming up this weekend. You know, it's tough to kind of... You know, get up for the Giants. You know, I think that's where, when you have empty stadiums, that's where you see some of the smaller teams have a chance to pounce on the bigger teams who, when those older veteran teams on a Monday night, when they got a big game with the Saints coming up, they got to create their own energy. That's mm. where the Giants came into play. Daniel Jones just is not good. The Giants have a lot of question marks, he is too. Eli. He is Eli Manning, but they don't have the talent around him because he can play, but he also can throw a ton of interceptions. Side note, I love, I'm talking about love, those 90s throwbacks they wore on Monday night. The white ones with the blue collar the on actual them. giants the, yeah, across the helmet. The giant, I love those unis. I'm with you. And uh, the number 28 team, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. That team looks so bad. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I have the Texans at number 28 for the wow. first time. For the first time, I do not have your Cincinnati Bengals in my bottom five. They will be, though, probably after the Steelers game. But uh, I'm just saying they are out of the bottom five for right now. The Texans, there's no excuse at this point. I mean, let's be clear. Everyone always says, like, if you have a quarterback, if you have, if you have a real quarterback, he's good for at least three to four wins in a year. And right now, and this isn't a shot at Deshaun Watson, I I just think it's, if you have a quarterback, he's good enough to get you three to four wins in a year. But he has so little help around him that he can't even lead this to three to four wins as far as that's concerned. So I have the Texans in my bottom five, which is something I was not expecting. I thought that division was going to be a lot more competitive. Um, And it kind of is. I mean, you have the Titans and the Colts, but we thought that the Texans were going to be up there battling for nine or ten wins. We thought the Colts would be good enough to win eight to ten games, and we knew the Titans were good enough to win anywhere between 10 to 12. So, very interesting division as far as that. Don't miss the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Weekdays at 3 p.m. on Satan's ESPN Radio. 1410 Wing AM. So, you want to talk about all our... All right, and we are back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. Now, I am sporting the Bengals jersey today. Finally. I lost the bet last week. Doug Toby, I hope you're still watching. Let me make sure, you know, there we go. Camera's right on. I'm wearing the Bengals jersey. That's a 2X. I'm a big dude, but I ain't 2X. But I'm making it work. Where's right, the media man? He, he, he said, Doug Toby, right there he is right there. He says, you look good in stripes. You look 15 pounds lighter. Maybe I should keep wearing the 2XL jerseys moving forward. So here you go. For all you Bengals fans out there, I just, you know, follow. it is what it is. Got, right, got it? You good? Pictures. I got my pictures. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Blackmail so you later. Last week, I, of course, was very confident that the Browns were going to beat the Raiders. I was very confident that the Bengals were going to not just lose, but I said double digits. They were going to lose double digits to the Titans. Well, not only did they not lose by double digits to the Titans, they beat the Titans. And not only did they beat the Titans, they beat the Titans by double digits. 31-20, the final. My goodness. I could not have been any more wrong. And I'm used to being wrong. I'm wrong all the time, Kev. I know. You know, <laughs> I, I don't like this. this, you know. 
I need to get. I'm going to get a Browns. I'm going to wear the Browns jersey tomorrow, <laughs> just to kind of even this out as far as that's concerned. But yes, if you're tuning in and you see, and we're live on Facebook and uh, live on Twitter as well uh, at 1410 Kinner K I N N E R on Twitter, and then of course you could search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook and watch that way. But yes, uh, so Sunday was just a bad day. I was all excited. I was gearing up because my birthday was on Monday. And mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get to laugh at the Bengals and brag about the Browns being 6-2 and two heading into the bye week. But then the receivers for the Browns decided to not show up and <laughs> play. We still got him on hold. He is. Raiders fan Jerry, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing much better than I was, say, Saturday night or Sunday morning, that's for sure. No, not much- over? No. Monday was a beautiful day. The, you know, it was just beautiful. Well, let's get a couple things straight. Let's. I was not going to blame the Browns' loss on Baker Mayfield. Your take on what I was going to say yesterday was completely wrong, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> First of all, Kev Nash, congratulations to your Steelers, brother. Thank you. Um, now, Justin. Don't be, be nice. Clear. He was let's laughing. He was laughing. Don't be nice to him and to congratulate. He was <laughs> laughing because he knows I'm going to make some sense. So let, let's 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 keep it real. Let's. Your team lost because your defense is softer than Sherman. Yes. Okay. I'll agree with you on that. No okay. arguments here. Everybody, good in, start. everybody and their brother knew we were going to run the ball in the second half. Mm-hmm. We were playing with a backup left guard and a third string right tackle that mm-hmm. every Raider fan knows cannot play in this league. And we still held you guys to six possessions the entire game. By the way, that hasn't happened in 30 years to a team. We held the ball 38 minutes. It was Josh Jacobs' left carrying three Browns for five yards. It was Josh Jacobs' right carrying four Browns for four yards. It was Josh Jacobs up the middle carrying two Browns for eight yards. We were running on third and ten and getting first downs. So let's not, let's you know, let's, let's not pretend it was anything other than our offensive line with backups in it dominating your defense. And let's your, get your one defense, thing. Your defense looked like they wanted to play two-hand touch, not tackle. If I was the coaching staff, I would make them wear skirts for the next two weeks when in practice because they were just horrible. That's why you lost that game. And in the weather conditions there were on Sunday, Joe Montana wouldn't have looked good. So you can't put that on Baker. Okay. By the way, you done? If my team is so bad, they are. How come we're the only team in the league that has at least three wins against teams that have five wins? You're four and three. We have three wins against teams that have at least five wins. Who's that? The Saints, the Saints, the Chiefs, and your Browns. Well, uh, you know, you're right. We probably shouldn't really count the Browns. Because we have more wins than we have, we are through those three games. The three five win plus teams we beat have more wins than every team you've beaten this year. So let's keep it. Let's keep it real. We're keeping it keep, real. Keep keep when you're talking about my team. We're Browns not going to win the Super Bowl. You sound like a, you sound like a Bengals fan right now. You're 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 four and three. You, you know you have a good record. You're above five hundred. You don't have more wins than the Browns. Browns are five and three. You're four and three. You we lost to the Patriots around Sunday, so I can talk smack. You know, you're our bad loss. The Patriots are your bad loss. So there you go. Dude, you haven't played anybody. 
You're bad loss ain't to Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So your and team's you so great, but we haven't. So hold up, we haven't played anybody, but your team's so great. I just want to make sure we're on no, the same page here. That doesn't make any sense. No, my team's make, You can't sit here and talk about how great your team is and then say, "Well, you haven't beat anybody." No, my team's. I'm just making the point. My team's better than your team. Huh? Eh. Huh? Eh. Huh? Come on, Kevin. Ask Kevin. I mean, they won. You have Nick Chubb. You have Austin Hooper. Did we have? Were we missing two pro bowlers on the offense? Pa, 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 pa. What? Listen. That's because that Browns team. You get that. Nick Chubb back. They're going to complete a different team. You get Austin Hooper back. Look like a completely different team. You beat a Browns team without OBJ, without Nick Chubb, without Austin Hooper, without Taylor. We were missing you were without, two pro That's fantastic. That's super. Line. And you still dominated a bad defense. What's your point? Right. Which right. Means, which means my team is better than yours. Obviously. Oh, okay. We're talking about who's the taller, short person here. I mean, my goodness, what right, are you really true. winning? What are you true. really winning as far as that's concerned? True. I'm just saying, anytime you're going to crack on my team, you need to make sure that to crack you on your crack team. on your team. I mean, your team I mean, is your team ever time. going to like take that next step and like actually like go somewhere? I mean, my goodness. This Raiders team, I mean, I've never seen a coach that takes over a team. I've never seen a coach take over a team. Stefanski has done more with the Browns in his first year than what Gruden has done with the Raiders in, what, going on three years now? Is Gruden ever going to do something that actually takes this team to that next level? I've never seen a coach uh, that that gets so much time just to be very mediocre, and that's what the Raiders are. They're very mediocre. I mean, my goodness, every other coach gets about a year and a half before everyone's ready to move on. Your coach hasn't proven anything in the two and a half years he's been here. So what's going on in, in old Las Vegas? Did did your team get pushed around Sunday or not? Yes or no? Oh, we're going to go back to that. No, they lost. They lost 16-6. Yeah. to six, And the way you made it sound with how great your offense was yeah. and how much they moved the ball, you only put 16 points up on the damn board. So That's please tell me about how great. Up. Oh, my There's goodness. more than twice than what you put up. Oh, yeah, yes. So, oh, wow. Those math classes really helping you out. You've been able to figure out that 16 is more than 6. Congratulations. Yes, more than are. twice as much oh, as Wow. Right. My goodness. 6 times 2 is 12 plus that. Man, my goodness. Raiders are going to the Super Bowl. No, I didn't say that. But so we'll, good. We're going farther than you are. Okay, that's like saying that you could beat me in a foot race. What the hell does uh, that again, have to do with anything? Again, you have no reason to talk smack about my team going forward because you guys are are obviously worse than we are. So let's just keep that let's just keep that in mind when you're going forward talking about my team. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good, Jerry. You take care. All right, guys. Adios. Later. A little hostility there. No hostility. A little hostility, man. No hostility. You know, when, look, Browns are 5-3. and three. They mm. should be 6-2. and two. They're going to be healthy coming out of the bye week, and they'll be rolling. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I ain't worried. I'm really not worried. I don't know which fan base is more delusional. Bengals or the Raiders. Two delusional fan bases. I'm telling you the Browns' defense is garbage. I never once tried to come on here and say that the Browns' defense was not garbage. They do got some repressive wins, though. They do. But again, Gruden can't seem to be able to like lock up whatever he gets out of them one week. He can't seem to get out of them the next week. And I hate that Jason Fitz compared Baker Mayfield to Carr because he's, you know, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get as far as that's concerned. Hold up. David Shaw says, oh, he's hostile because Jerry had his lunch. What in the blue hell does that even had his lunch? What does that mean? Like, I, I hear old people refer to that all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, you better pack your own lunch. I'm gonna pack your, <laughs> what does that even mean? Is that like a thing? I don't know. Oh, he, he 
because Jerry had his lunch. First of all, I don't he share bullied lunch. you. Maybe. Do you think? Do you, I don't know. Is that like a bullying thing? Bullying's wrong. <laughs> I would never. You would know. You would know. I would never. The way you talk to our callers. Oh, Jerry's fine. <laughs> Jerry's hey, fine. Hey, hey. Can I hear? And you know, and you know, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pull this card here, okay? How I talk to them. I'm gonna sound like the biggest child in the world here, but they started. Oh like my this God. is the thing. Like I so the other day uh, I forgot. Really yes. That. Like for instance, Anne. Remember Anne on Facebook the other day? I'm Ooh. sure she's a nice lady. She lit but you up. She came swinging. <laughs> and I'm supposed to say, "Oh, okay, thank you. Have a great day." Maybe I am, but I'm not. So I'm gonna be a child. You're mean to me. I'm mean to you. That's Ooh. how I roll. I don't care. I don't care. You it's, it, you act like people are calling. Man, Justin, you're you're the best. I really like your show. Man, the Browns they just couldn't pull it off the other day. Shut up. The Browns are fine. Don't worry about it. Like that's what you guys hear. You guys are unbelievable. I if you go back and listen to tape, film you know film study. I'm never mean first. <laughs> we got the whole tape right here. I'm on never computer. mean first. David well, Shaw says, we start it, you are delusional. No, David Shaw, you sit there for three hours a day and literally try to nitpick every little tiny thing I or Kev say. And then whenever I go back at you, you get your panties all in a wad and you say, oh, my God, stop going off on me. Pick on someone else. Blah, 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 blah. Verbatim. Do I recall on Friday you making this little number right here? Well, yeah, I'm partway. Did on Friday you make that? They're, yes. You know, I like we shirt. started the show with that. We started the show with that. You know why I built that? Do you know why I made that? What if I told Do tell. I made that. For, I made the 30 for 30 because I have a lot of pent-up hostility. That's no. fine. Going back to two years ago, Baker Mayfield's rookie year. You, you know, years ago. Baker Mayfield's rookie year. I got excited about Baker Mayfield's rookie year. Mm-hmm. And I had every Bengals fan in this city, all 10 of them, Tell me that Baker hasn't done anything yet. That Baker hasn't won anything yet. That Baker hasn't proved anything yet. And I had to take it. I had to deal with it. And every week, Baker, uh, every week, he did lead them to seven wins, which is seven more wins than they had the previous year, you know, at 0-16. So I felt pretty good about where Baker was taking the 0-16 Browns. And every week, no matter how good of a game he would have, Kev, through 27 touchdowns, broke Peyton Manning's passing touchdown record as a rookie, no matter how good he played, he hadn't won anything. He hasn't accomplished anything. Oh, you're just a dumb Browns fan. You guys haven't been to the playoffs. Blah, 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 blah. The same old stuff that you hear every week. So now I've been waiting. I've just been waiting because the Cincinnati Bengals are the Cleveland Browns now who have their quarterback and they're excited. And then when Kenner decides to say, hey, you know what? He hasn't won anything. And in fact, Baker won more than Joe B. Season so not over. Yet, stop. Season not over. He's not winning seven games. Season not over. See, that's how much of a loser I'm, both fan bases are. I'm literally getting defensive saying that he's not going to touch our total wins in Baker's first year of seven. That's how It's crazy. So, no, yes, I don't start it. They started it two years ago, and we I'm here to finish it. started the show with a 30 for 30. Uh, but no, no, no. That's how the show started. But don't act like the, the hostility only stems from three to six weekdays right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station 1410 Wing AM, which you can subscribe and download to the show in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. Go to break, man. No, here's Ann. I love Ann now. Ann oh, says, Justin, sometimes you are a real ass, <laughs> but I love you just the same.
and I love you too. The show is off the rails. Ann and I, Ann and I have this like love hate relationship. I've never met her, but for years, like one day she you can't stand me, the next day she's not. And you're a nice lady. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So I'm a, I'll take that down now. Come see him on Sunday at Frickers. Yes, as far as that's concerned. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Oh no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> 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 All right, folks. All right. All right. Okay. All right. It is what it is. Hold on. Uh, Doug Toby says, you probably own stock in the Troll Pub. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. What is going on? Uh, let's see. There's more coming in. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Mark Absher says, oh, bull. Bull butt. Oh, bull butter. JK, you blast off first on my Bengals. No, I do not. Maybe now I do, but it didn't start out that way. That's the Bengals. It's a bye week. Have a truce. The Bengals fans created this, though. They created this. You can't. Let let me reset. I'm going to say it calmer so you can get here. Two years ago, all I did was crack the mic. I remember it. It was a Thursday night football game. I remember exactly what happened. It was the Bengals and it was the Ravens. It was like a Thursday night football game. Okay? Or maybe it was Monday night. Either way. It was was not on Sunday. It was a Monday. It was the Kinner and Schlemmer show. Mm -hmm. And Schlemmer and I were like, you know what? You know, tonight will be fun. The Bengals are on primetime television. There'll be plenty to talk about. It's either going to be the fans talking about how they have no faith in the team to win in primetime. Remember, that seemed like ages ago back when that was the team's concern. Uh, and, and we were excited because we were going to get to talk Bengals. We were going to take a lot of Bengals calls. Bengals primetime. We should be talking a lot. Of, well, guess what? No Bengals calls. Mm. There was no energy. So I went off. I said the Bengals fans are the worst fan base out there. How could your team be playing primetime? How can your team be playing primetime and and no fan care about the game? I said this is why the Browns are a better fan base because they stick with their team no matter what. Like they don't just, you know, they they cheer for their team when they're good and when they're bad. This team, you know, this fan base disappears. They, they, you know, I, and what was funny is that very previous weekend I have a Jay Morrison tweet that popped up in my Facebook memories the other day that was talking about how the Bengals fans were booing their team running off the field. And I got done saying, oh, it's such a great classy fan base right there. And everyone was ripping me for that. I have a list, a laundry list. So that night, okay, Bengals Ravens. Mm hmm. Prime time. Bengals go up like 28 to nothing or 28-12 or whatever it was. Andy Dalton had like three or four touchdown passes to A.J. Green in like the first half, and they looked unstoppable. They didn't score a point in the second half, and the Ravens came back. They did beat the Ravens, but they won like 28 to like 24 or something. Like the Ravens like dominated the second half, and they nearly lost it. So I came back the next day because I'd had enough of Andy Dalton because he looked absolutely garbage in the second half. I said, you know what? Baker Mayfield, who's not even starting yet, is the second-best quarterback in the AFC North. I said, because what I've seen from him is not good. Everyone said, oh, no, how trash Baker is. Baker gets that. He gets to come in against the Jets that week. He leads the Jets to a win. Baker mania is born, baby. And I spent the next year and a half on the airwaves just being absolutely destroyed. Anytime Baker would do something good, oh, he threw for 300 yards. Why not 301? He threw for four touchdowns. Why not five touchdowns? He won the game 35 to 27. How come not 36 to 27? No matter what he did, it wasn't good enough. Because what did he win? He hadn't won anything. He hadn't done anything. But this year, Kevin, now all of a sudden, oh, it don't matter. We know we got our guy. We got our guy. And you do. You do. But like I said, you started it. I'm wearing this stupid jersey now because Bengals fans make dumb bets and I lose because of freaking Baker Mayfield. How is it a dumb bet if they win? Every bet's dumb that you lose. 
Every every bet is great that you win. Have you ever lost a bet and said, oh, man, that was a great bet? <laughs> no. Every bet, if you win, you're like, man, that was awesome. And the train is whatever. We are off the track, man. Yeah, hey, everybody. It's Stephen A. Smith. And everyone knows my feelings on Cowboys fans. But really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan? We are Davis Omo, the Ohio Live, here on ESPN Dayton. All right, and we are back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Um, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, according to sources, player reps are expected to approve a December 22nd tip-off date, start date, to the 2020-2021 NBA season. Wow. The NBA Finals, of course, just wrapped up in, what, early October, mm-hmm. um, or late November, or, I'm sorry, mid-October. Mid-October, my bad. I'm all over the place as far as, I don't even, I, it's November. How the hell is it November? Like, Thanksgiving's <laughs> here in a few weeks. Bruh. Um, holy smokes, man. But, yeah, it's like the NBA season just wraps up. And right now, again, according to this uh, article from Adrian Wojnarowski, it says that the NBA's Board of Governors and Players Association will hold separate meetings on Thursday, uh, which is expected to culminate with an agreement on starting the 2021 season on December 22nd and playing a reduced 72-game schedule. Uh, the NBA, so, you know, the Players Association is planning to take a formal vote of the team player representatives on Thursday. Um, and right now it looks like everything is progressing towards that. My thing is this. If you're gonna, I mean, everyone said the dream start date for the NBA would be Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Like that's the dream start. I mean, that's like a great way. I mean, for one, everyone, even for you know the NBA tipping off in late October, early November, everyone says they don't start paying attention to the NBA really until I mean they might they're gonna watch it on Christmas Day because usually they bring you you know the biggest matchups yeah. and then they'll kind of reach touch base again after the Super Bowl as far as that's concerned. But my thing is, start it on Christmas. Mm-hmm. What the hell's so hard about? I mean, if you're gonna start it on the twenty second, what is so hard about just saying, well, guys. You know, if we're going to start on the 22nd, we might as well just make sense to, like, just build the, you know, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Here's the NBA season. Uh, but we knew this was going to be a strange time. They have to find a way to get that calendar back on track. Yeah. And I think this is going to allow them to do that. You're going to see a lot of players probably trying to sit out and, and miss some time early. Uh, and I think you have to be patient with that, like LeBron and others. But I don't think it's going to matter. The, look, people don't watch all 72 games of the NBA season right. anyways. Um, I know when I was a kid. Like Fox Sports Ohio, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they drafted LeBron. I'm not joking. I didn't miss a game. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss a game. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid and I had a bedtime and I had to, you know, my parents would make me turn. I would get grounded some nights because I would, you know, wait for my parents, listen to make sure they went to bed. Then I'd go back and I'd turn the TV on and, uh, you know, watch the Cavs game. I didn't miss a Cavs game. I was like, I mean, now I don't watch all 82 regular season games of any particular team out there. But, man, the last time I was, like, in love with the team team was the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. Like, the first go-round. The second go-round felt a little like, eh, you left me. All right, now you're back, and we're trying to make this work, but I'm always going to remember that you left me. But that first run with Cleveland... That was my ultimate fandom in the NBA right there, where I could not miss a Cavs game. I'd go to, you know, have school, basketball practice, come home, eat dinner, and, watch, you know, let's watch the, I was the, the Cavs on, the, on, on TV. I was the opposite. I, I still watched a ton of Cavs when he first was there, but I was watching, like, a ton of other games. But, like, when he came back for the second stint, there was something very special about the second run with the Cavs. It, it really felt like they had a chance to win a championship. I never thought they really had a chance to win a championship um, his first go-around. I just thought, like, for multiple reasons, I thought the roster was flawed. I didn't think his game was developed as it was. And when he came back to the Cavs, his game had fully developed 
all the way around and he had pretty good players around him so i thought like okay they can win the championship let's see how they do and they ultimately did win the championship ultimately got to a lot of was it four straight nba finals four five however with many straight the ca- with the Cavs the, the second, second round time. yeah he came so back. they uh went to the finals a bunch uh a ton of fun watching him play um NBA, I love the NBA. I'm locked in on all those great Thursday night matchups on TNT, the good TNT matchups, uh, some good NBA action. I'm here for it all, but I'm with you. I think the start date should be Christmas. Like That's when everybody locks in. In a normal situation, my aunt and uncle would fly in from Jersey. Uh, we would watch basketball. My uncle Eric and I, we would watch all the games all day long. And then, obviously, the big matchup, whoever LeBron is playing that that year, you know, and years past it was, you know, they would play the Knicks some years when he was with the Heat, or they would play Golden State when he was with the Cavs. Like it was always just great fun. So, the NBA trying to get their calendar back on track, and you know, everybody's expecting to watch NBA basketball on Christmas, just like everybody's expecting to watch the NFL on Thanksgiving. So it's like one of those few things that people can rely on in a COVID situation is that traditional game to watch. Yeah, and they're saying, by the way, there still will be your Christmas, your typical Christmas games, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Day games or whatever. But, again, they're, they're really going on to read the article a little bit further. Um, they said it has to start on December 22nd for them to be able to get the games in um, by a target date, you know, to be able to get the fi- start the finals on time and get it ended in time because of the Olympics. Um, and it goes on to talk about the important. I mean, like right now, these players are just being, you know, so it goes on to talk about they need the 72-game schedule that finishes before the Summer Olympics in mid-July. Mm. So we talked about the finals, which usually wraps up around, what, early June? Yeah. Um, and then you're right into, I mean, so the players have about a month to kind of heal up. If I'm, I don't even think LeBron no, he's is not playing, playing. Then. I doubt if he plays. His kids are older now. He's already got several gold medals. There's no need for LeBron to play. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Kevin Durant, you go, you go take care of it. He's probably not playing either. You probably might need to call Devin Booker, those guys. Yeah. They're good, but that ain't the that ain't the Dream Team 2.0. Dream Team or Dream Team 2.0. <laughs> it had D Wade and Kobe and Carmelo and LeBron and hell even Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. I mean, damn, the Chris Bosh is gonna yeah, it's gonna be Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. It's gonna be the 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 next generation of guys gonna be playing. Yeah, I see bronze. <laughs> it's gonna be the LeBron's team. It ain't going to be LeBron's team. It's going to be the LeBron's team because all everyone's going to be talking about is where's LeBron. And they're going to end up with bronze as far as that. But how about this? So if they, the, so that finishes Watch out for the Canadian team. That's what you need to worry about. Um, that the Summer Olympics in mid-July, it's worth between 500 and a billion dollars in short and long-term revenues to the league players, to the league and players. So that's why you started seeing the NBA players get involved because it used to just be they would send the best college talent mm-hmm. over there, which really I wouldn't be against. Well, I would be against that now. Because the best college players aren't the best players. Like you used to be able to send really good players out of college. You'd be able to send the, you know, the play, the old, you know, the Patrick Ewings of the world who would stay for three or four years. Uh, as far as that, I'm using that as an example of the superstars in the NBA that actually were superstars in college that stayed for their entirety. Um, now it's it's all the one and done. So all the best players in college basketball. Yeah. They're in college one year, out the next. So, um, no, it, it has to stay this way. But that's why you started seeing that, and that's a lot of money that goes towards the league and the players. Because I kept wondering why the players are trying to agree so hard to get that, it, but because it benefits them too. Absolutely. So. Think about this. This is the 1984 Olympic roster for the men's basketball team. Uh, Steve Alford, Patrick Ewan, Michael Jordan, Joe Klein, John Kokak, 
uh, Chris Mullen, Sam Perkins, Alvin Robinson, Wayman Tinsdale, Leon Wood. So you got to think, this is Michael Jordan entering, entering his rookie year. He's not even a rookie in the NBA yet. You know, so like... Yeah, he was just a few years removed from being cut from his high school team. <laughs> That's a fact. LeBron was <laughs> on Sports Center and ESPN in high school. But uh, look the chosen at that. one. Look at that. That's one, two... That's three Hall of Famers right there. Like, now, the entire roster is Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? So, like, that's the way things have definitely transitioned. Unless you weren't good enough, like Isaiah Thomas. Oh, God. Uh, to me. That's, and it's funny, too, because he's so damn salty still. And he, he like, should be. He should be salty. Though. He should be salty. But that's why, during that stretch, like, I, I, as much as I love LeBron in today's game, I hate that the players are all buddy-buddy. I'm not saying those guys weren't friends back in the day, but, like, those guys legitimately hated what... I mean, it's led to the point where they don't like each other now at times. Yes. Now you have guys who are... I mean, they hang out in the offseason. Like, that's the one thing that I will say I'll give the edge to during that time when they say, oh, you know, back then it was tougher. First of all, to act like LeBron couldn't adapt to playing during that time is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. If he flops and is soft now, it's because... The, the officials react to it. If you think Michael Jordan in his prime in today's game wouldn't take advantage of those same things, then you're full of crap too because like, there's no way in hell that MJ is going to try to force to play physical when he could take advantage of the lighter way out too. But like to act like LeBron could play. So it, yes, it was more physical time, but the players from today could play during a physical time, uh, time too because they would have adapted to it if those were the times. But what I loved about those players in the, you know, in the 90s is that they all... Maybe hates a strong word, but they competitively hated one another. They, you know, they didn't say, "Oh man, he's great, I'm great, let's be friends." It's he's great, I'm better. Yeah, and I'm going to be better. Oh, you won MVP, Carbone. Okay, all right, I'm going to come get it. Now LeBron does that at times, but he picks on the the younger guys. Now you should have been doing that to D Wade. You should have been doing that to Carmelo. You should have been doing those his boys. But that's the thing. Like, He's not friends with the younger dudes. Okay. That's but, but that's, that's but how maybe I that's am. why there was titles <laughs> left on the table early in LeBron's career because he was too worried. You know, he's too worried about being double, you know, buddy buddy. Maybe if he looked across the court and had a killer instinct early on in his career, I think he does now. Yeah. But to your point, I think he hasn't always had that. I think he looks across the court now and he doesn't give a rip about these kids because he, you know, they're just kids. So to him, he just wants to rip their faces off. <laughs> but back then, it was, you know, hey, where are we gonna go get wine at? Why the wine? When did wine become a thing? <laughs> You're not a wine drinker, Kenner? No, my fiance loves wine. Her and her girlfriends go out for wine all the time. I didn't know that LeBron and Carmelo and the Carmelo owns like a wine company now, yeah. I guess. I guess you're cool if you drink wine. I haven't found a cool way to drink wine. I was at a wedding last weekend and I was like, they're serving wine. I'm like, what are, how how do how do I even hold wine and look cool? With your pinky up. No, and then wine's <laughs> disgusting. Let's just be clear. Like, Depends so I, I on what kind you I get. I took a sip and I'm like, oh, I mean, I can't even look cool drinking it that way. Like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is crap. What wine do you guys drink? Because I'm looking for some as well. I like I like a oh, sweet wine. Oh God, now wine. you're gonna be a wine drinker. Yeah, I, I drink sweet wine. I forget the kind that wife buys, but she has the one that I like. It's like sweet. It almost tastes like Kool Aid. <laughs> That's how sweet it is. But like that red wine she bought one time, it was so bitter. She's like, "This is good." I'm like, "This is disgusting." Give me a beer. I, I'm I just I can't do it. Even like so when Nora's drinking wine, the smell of it drives me nuts. <laughs> But see, Nora's like she like so she drinks wine, but she also she's a bourbon gal. Woo! I'll come home and she's cooler than me. I'll come home and she pours bourbon in a cup with some ice, sips on that for the night, two or three glass. I'm like two or three. It's lit. I have half a can of Bud Light, and I'm like, oh, I can't drive. We better find <laughs> we better Uber home. Uh, I'm yeah, a tequila yeah. guy, man. Tequila. No, 
It gets you right. Nope. I used to, you know, so fireball was oh, my thing. Oh, goodness gracious. Nope. New Year's Eve last year, I could just, I was literally just, I could just drink it like a drink. Like, I love fireball. Like, I love the taste of it, everything. Now, the smell of it, because of New Year's, I, nope. Like, it makes me nauseous. Like, right now, I'm trying not to do the face because I could literally, yeah, see? No, I can't do it. It's that bad. I got so sick off of it Bring because I drank memories. it like an idiot. Yeah, it's that bad. Uh, who do we got? We got Shaw. Is this Shaw? Who's this? He gone. He gone. But he's commenting on that. You could just hit drop on that. Uh, Shaw says, uh, some could have adapted, but there's definitely some that are just too soft. Okay, but who? when you say some, if we're talking about the... The role players. I mean, who cares? No one cared about the role players in the NBA in the '90s. We're talking about the stars. The star stars are stars in any generation. The stars of today would have been stars back then. People like James Harden, for instance. Oh, there's no way he would have. Uh, you mean? To, I mean, the guy's too talented to just not be able to figure out how to play basketball in the '90s. Gotta stop traveling. That well, <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. I don't know where you see. No, maybe I do have an anchor problem. Maybe. Like there's there's bigger there's more important things in life to get angry at than Kev Nash saying James Harden travels a lot and me getting mad. I don't even like James Harden. Like <laughs> he was freaking hopscotch. Like have you seen the videos that they do of him where he like ball fakes, yeah. and then he shuffles like ten steps backwards and then fade away. <laughs> like, Bang! Like goodness <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you made the shot, but come on, man, you traveled, man. Oh, uh, see, so now Shaw has an NBA opinion that's going to take you off. Oh boy. Now he says Melo could not have played back then. Okay. Oh, what's wrong, Kev? Okay. He could have played back then. Look at how he played in Denver. He was a post scorer in Denver. He's a jump shooter now, but in his prime, he was a post player. Yep, all them rings. You say a play, not win championships. Those are two totally different things. I mean, anyone could play. Just can you play well? Yeah, I think he would have played well. He'd be on the ground. He'd be he hurt. On the ground? When has he been hurt? He's never been hurt. He's right. He's played in a lot of finals games. Oh, <laughs> he's no. never been hurt. He's never won a championship. Never, hold on. So which is it? He's been hurt or he can't play? He's been bad. Been bad? Yes. He's had definitely had I a mean, bad playoff game. All, everyone this year, oh, he's back. He's back. 15 points a game is back in a game where everyone's averaging 28, 29, all the greats are. When your leading scorer is averaging 33 points a game, you should not be averaging more than 15 LeBron points. LeBron and Anthony Davis seem to be doing it just fine. Your second leading scorer is averaging 25 a game. You're the third guy. He's the third guy. He's not the third guy. He should be the second or first guy. If he's Why? A, if he's back, if he's back, he's the third guy. He's just a glorified role player now. He is a role player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I agree. You still get mad. He's the third guy. <laughs> Shaw says wasn't tall enough. Uh, he would have been too small to bang down low and too slow to play on the wing back then. I don't. Maybe you only watched Melo when he played with. Uh, New York or his stint with OKC, but if you watch Melo when he played with Denver, Melo with the braids, like when he was like real athletic, dunking on Yao Ming, you know, running the floor, dunking on Tim Duncan, he would have played fine. Like and people act like, like he got in the league in uh, 02. Like, like those players that were in the 90s were still in the NBA then. Like Kobe was in his prime then. Like so, the people that love Kobe and, and bash on you know Melo and LeBron and everything like that, these players overlap. So he'd have been perfectly fine. Doug Toby says, uh, carried Syracuse to the national championship as a freshman. 
So I don't know if you're just pointing that out or if that's fitting one argument or the other. But I, I, And now, as a Syracuse fanatic that I am, I greatly appreciate it. But I don't necessarily correlate anything that someone does, especially in college basketball, like – all right, he won a championship in college. That makes him necessarily great at the next level. I mean, look at uh, what's old buddy from North Carolina. Um, I want to say Tyler Hero, but not Tyler Hero. Hansborough. Hansborough. Like, he was, you know, he had a cup of coffee in the NBA. He led his team to a national championship. don't think those things correlate, but a guy that scores 28 points a game is going to still score 20-some points a game in no matter what era. Like, we act like only the greatest of the greats would transition from era to era. no. A lot of these dudes are transition to the to the eighties, to the nineties, just like the dudes from the eighties and nineties would transition to today. That'd be perfectly fine. Like you imagine what Isaiah Thomas would do in today's NBA where you can't hand check? It's gonna be doing exactly what Steve Nash did. So in that MJ thirty for thirty, he retired, he quit because oh, Lord. No. Michael Jordan, he I watched it. I even watched it again the other night because I always like to rewatch that one scene just to make sure that I'm getting it right. <laughs> He quit because he couldn't handle not being able to leave his apartment because there'd be a camera in his face. That's mentally. He might be physically, you know, strong, but he's mentally soft then. All right, Skip Bayless. No, that is true. <laughs> like, LeBron plays in the day of social media where the guy, I mean, he gets made fun of. He gets ripped for chewing gum the wrong way. Well, that's this big difference between. Nope, there's not. It is a huge difference mm. between that and mm. social media and the media then. The media then approach you. Social media, you approach it. Mm-hmm. You have it to go to. If you don't want to go to it, you don't have to. Who's, but when why, you leave, you, you do really have to leave the house. Been, you really don't think he would have gone to it? I'm just saying those Every are the facts. LeBron leaves the house today. A, and he's fine. I'm just saying that's a fact. When people talk about being on social media, I'm, they all in my comments. You don't have to be on social media, but you do have to leave the house. You do have to leave the house to go to the game. Like those are facts. LeBron leaves the house and he gets yeah. to the games just fine. Yeah, that's great. And he's a great basketball player. Nobody's denying that. And he's played 17, going on 18 straight years now without quitting because. What oh, does that have to do with anything? They're shining a camera at me. I got to take a break. I can't do this. Are we really going to do that today? Are we really <laughs> going to go there today? I will die on that hill. Okay. I will you, die on that hill. You'll find anything. You'll find anything. You know, subtweeting teammates. Don't check out, check in. Don't fit out, fit in. You know, subtweeting. You know, that's real leadership there. You mean the guy that's led three teams? I'm just saying. Three different franchises to an NBA championship? Uh, he gets star players to buy into being role players, and they don't complain at all, other than Ky- Crybaby Kyrie. We all look where he ended up, so that's not a LeBron <laughs> problem. Yeah, I don't think LeBron's leadership problem is, I'm just is saying, problem. don't you know, check out, check in. You know, I my, mean, you know, with Mike, had people punching him. He had teammates punching him. You have guys who you know do anything for LeBron in the league. Hey, yeah, get in line to get punched. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Very, very 1980s. Can't let that fly today. Uh, Sean Boland uh, says Mello and Kobe got extremely. And again, when I read these comments, by the way, we are live on Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook, uh, and you could tell uh, us how stupid we are. Mainly me. I'm usually the stupid one. Okay, I'll, I can admit it, but not here. MJ quit because he couldn't handle a camera. <laughs> oh, um, so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so go to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, and you can comment on the conversation we're having in the chat section or give us a call at 457-9464. But when you comment in, we're able to pull your comments into the show. Your profile picture is displayed, so you get to show off uh, you know, your, your Facebook profile and everything. But Sean Boland on Facebook, Kev, says, Mello and Kobe uh, got extremely physical in those Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. What uh, what or what a trash take, haha, Mello would kill in any era. Oh, that wasn't directed at me. That was directed at Shaw. <laughs> yeah. What a trash take, Shaw. 
Yeah. Fights in the chat section. I like it. Getting it on. All right. Oh, there's more. Hold on. Let me re- You can hit the, out- <laughs> hit the outro. You sure? Push me. Yep. You sure? Yep. Okay. Yep. I was yep. making sure we were going to get up out uh, of here on time. Few players could guard Melo in his prime. Well, there was enough players to find a way to guard him to keep him from winning championships. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, MJ quit because his dad was killed as a message. If you want to believe that little theory, then you go right on ahead. <laughs> if you want to believe that theory, you go right on ahead. Doesn't fit Kenner's narrative. It's all good, man. It's cool, man. Nah, that's not what happened. I mean, his dad did die. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that's not why he quit. <laughs> Okay, it's, I, I'm just I'm telling you, it's not why he quit. He said in the thing he had to step away because he had had too much because the media would not leave him alone. And then his coming dad from was LeBron, hurting. who has the the well, maybe the former president of the United States, literally ripping him every chance that he gets. He, I mean, LeBron has the president of the United States attacking him. He has everyone on social media attacking him. And, and Michael Jordan couldn't handle a camera in his face. I'm just saying. When in doubt, go through the Michael Jordan card. It's not a card. It's not a card. I mean, who carries cards anymore? Everything's on your phone. It's not a card. I'm just, you know what it is? It's facts. And we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash. Count all the votes. By the way, so, of course, we're talking a little MJ there towards the end. And Trey Green says, who cares if Jordan quit? He saved the world on Space Jam. That's also a fact. You know, it's funny because Keith Byers shares the story all the time. Like, Keith Byers has golfed with MJ, like, on multiple occasions and stuff. And he shares the story Keith did about when his, uh, he went to a golf outing and brought his son. And Michael Jordan was there. And Michael Jordan said he would take, you know, so Michael Jordan took a picture with Byers' kids. And all these years, you know, as Byer's son got older, Byer shares the story about how, you know, every time, you know, Byer's kid brings out that picture, he always says, oh, yeah, that's, you know, when he was a little bit younger, I guess, is when he was showing off the picture. He goes, oh, yeah, it's the guy from Space Jam. And Byer's <laughs> is like, come on. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, the guy from Space Jam. guy from Space Jam. Oh, sweet dude. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, shoot, you got to think about it now, man. You know I'm into sneakers a ton. There's kids now that buy up all the shoes that came out in the 80s and 90s and everything like that that I couldn't afford then, but now that I'm an adult, I can buy them. They've never even seen Michael Jordan play. Like, you know what I'm saying? You remember Michael Jordan from playing with the Wizards. Popeye Jones. Yeah. Christian Leitner. So, Ty they, they didn't even Obviously, they never saw the Bulls' Michael Jordan. They didn't even see the Wizards' Michael Jordan. So they don't really even know... How good he was. Like, they just know his shoes look cool, and they want them. And I got to fight them to get my size. What, what's your size, then? Ten and a half. Anybody want to hook me up with so a there pair you go. of cement threes, I'll gladly take them. See, I, I, that's all foreign language to me. I, have no clue. <laughs> I just go in, I find something I like, walk out with it, try I don't even try them on anymore. Actually, I can't tell the last time I bought a new pair of shoes, to be honest with you. When we do this radio show on Facebook, it's from my my man boobs up. I mean, it, it like no one know. I mean, who cares what kind of shoes I have? Like you know, so it, it is what it is as far as that goes. I'm a shoe fanatic, man. I can't have enough, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right.
right. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on 1410 uh, ESPN Radio. Coming up, uh, we're going to, of course, hear from ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. We'll talk a little college football. Uh, but you know what's funny is, you know, we're sitting here talking about the ESPN 30 for 30, but mm. did you know that the same producers that created the 30 for 30 for my or not 30 for 30, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the documentary. Yeah. They are doing one for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Really? So the same producers that created the the, the Michael Wait, the, Jordan documentary. Oh, I thought they meant the producers for the one that you're a part of. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the best one ever. That is the best one ever. So, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I don't know if it's like a 10-parter. I don't know what it is. But how cool is that for you wrestling fans out there? I know you're, you're I mean... You know, you're Kev Nash, but yeah, you're, you hate yeah, wrestling. I'm not a big wrestling guy. Kev you know, Nash, I... Scott Hall with you here on Fort. Who's Scott Hall? Can you tell me who Scott Hall is? NWO, <laughs> man. For life. Yeah. All right. Fair Come enough. On, no. I mean, I'm not that far gone. Well, how, but how can you hate the wrestling? Man? I don't hate. Backwards. Like, do you remember when the Bengals were going to the playoffs and we, everyone knew they were one and done? And they used to say, well, at least we made the playoffs. You guys are <laughs> getting the bottom pick. Like, that almost winning games doesn't count for anything, and that winning games actually matters. See, we're not surprised, because this is how Joe Burrow always plays. He always gets. He always picks up over 300 yards. He always plays touchdowns. He always runs for touchdowns. You know? He does, and you know, and what's his record? Oh, one, five, and one. What if I told you that Bengals fans are delusional? That, that's a Cincinnati Bengal way of thinking. It's the new ESP. your Raiders, but that was an ugly game. That was not a pretty game, but the Raiders, you predicted it. We were both wrong, though. We expected a high-scoring affair. That was definitely not it. A very ugly football game, but a win's a win for your Raiders and another loss for the Browns. Yeah, well, and, and in all fairness, I already had the hoodie on. I'm not trying to wear Raiders hoodie to troll anybody. That's normal wear for me. Uh, no, I thought, look, and we were definitely wrong about the score. When I saw the weather in the morning, I really thought that was advantage Cleveland for a couple of reasons. I mean, controlling the line of scrimmage is something that most teams should be able to do against that Raiders defensive front. Not particularly good there. And then conversely, the opposite way, the Raiders offensive line has been so decimated. I, I just, I struggled to see a path to victory when the weather looked awful. And that to me is the biggest surprise that frankly, not only that uh, the Raiders were able to run the ball down Cleveland's throat. Yes. But conversely, the fact that Cleveland wasn't able to do that to Vegas was really stunning, stunning to me because I don't think very highly of most of the defensive line for the Raiders or the linebackers when it comes to stopping the run this year. And they, they showed up in this one, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, so we're week to week with Baker Mayfield and everything in the NFL, man. So where are you at with Baker this week? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, like, and, and to be fair, you guys, like, honestly, Raiders fans are the same way with Derek Carr. And okay. it is a, it is funny to me how – all I have to do is go on social media and say Derek Carr is awesome or Derek Carr is trash. And either way, I can just spend the rest of the day getting re reactions. So I think they're <laughs> they're similar, though, in some ways. Like some weeks they're great, and, and then they make you think you got your guy. And then the next week you turn around and you're like, well, what is that? Now, this was a game that was particularly difficult to throw the ball in. I don't think he got a lot of help from people dropping passes. We've seen it all over ESPN repeatedly. I don't put all of that on Baker. But that's also, again, that is a very bad Raiders defense, especially in their secondary. I was a little surprised that they didn't try. And I know you couldn't attack 40 yards downfield, but you can attack right. 10, 15 yards downfield. And they didn't. So, you know, a little bit of the game plan failing there to me, but also a little bit of Baker failing. And, and this is 
sort of who Baker is. I mean, Baker at this point is moving forward. The Browns, I believe, are going to try and be a run first team that gets some, you know, spike from Baker. And as long as he's comfortable in that role, I mean, that that's great. They're going to win some games. I'm just not sure it's going to be the way that so many people had in their mind. You know, yeah, for me, I, go ahead, go ahead, Kenner. No, my bad. Sorry. So you you know you're without one of your top offensive linemen and teller for the Browns. Um, no OBJ, no Nick Chubb. Of course, you know Austin Hooper's out. You know he had you know a last minute surgery just not too long ago. Uh, I'm all about making excuses for Baker and the Browns. That's the <laughs> label I wear, and I wear it proud as far as that's concerned. But uh, with that being said, like we still are trying. Like I have yet to see a game from the Browns that looks the same from one week to the next. They've had the same game plan a few games back when they had one four straight, but we've yet to see this team look the same. That's why. There's so many question marks about Baker and this Browns team, but they're five and three right now. And in that tough division, five and three, I'll take five and three any day heading into this bye week, especially. Well, and they're right in the thick of it for the wild card, right? Like that's mm-hmm. why I thought Sunday was such a big game because for both of these teams are going to be battling down the stretch. I think having the tiebreaker is a big deal. The only thing I'd say though, and, and I believe everything you just said is a reasonable explanation, but let's also look at the Bengals who had what they were missing four offensive linemen, even the Raiders, in this game, we're missing two and a backup. So I think this this concept of missing pieces is what every team is dealing with. So, uh, you know, conversely, when you watch the game on Sunday, which team did you think was the better quarterback? Because to me, I watched it and felt like Derek Carr was the better quarterback of those two quarterbacks in the game. And he's also dealing with a, a huge number of offensive line issues, dealing with wide receiver injuries. You know, so I, I mean, at what point do we look at it and say, well, that's just NFL in the 20 in, in 2020. And, you know, Baker's got to be better in that situation. You know, I'm thinking about Baker and his whole career. You know, we're week to week with it. The whole OBJ, he plays better without OBJ. I told Kenner in the back half of the season, we're going to find out if Baker is a true quarterback or if he's basically Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy that can win you games and Throw up crazy numbers one week and then the very next week throw four interceptions. I think he's going to prove which guy he is for the rest of his career these last eight weeks. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, especially because there's some favorable games on the schedule. Looking forward for Cleveland. Also, guys, I'm usually the one that comes in and says, well, you know, let's not dip back into the draft because God only knows. How do you know you got something better than that? And the Browns are going to be too good to have a high draft pick this year. But the one thing I will say is that there are going to be quarterbacks that hit the open market this offseason. Like, there is a high level of speculation that Matt Ryan is going to be available for trade. And even though it's very complicated, some people think that Carson Wentz could be made available for trade. I don't think wow. that puts some Some people, you know, it, around Bristol, they're starting to say, well, could happen. Now, there's contractual complications with that. But, you know, if you start looking across the board and telling me, okay, I got to decide between Baker Mayfield and Matt Ryan even, who we, we have a pretty good indication Matt's going to be out there. I'm taking Matt Ryan. And and then I don't get don't sleep on a very under talked about report by Adam Schefter on Sunday that part of the reason Tua was given the starting job now is because the Dolphins remember from their trade with Houston have Houston's first round pick. That looks like it could be a top three pick in the draft. They want to see what they have in Tua because they may have a shot at Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So that also tells us that Tua in that theory could be available next year in the in, in trade. So. Uh, usually I'm not a guy that says, oh, well, let's go back to the draft. This year, I don't think it's just about the draft. I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are made available to the free agency or or trade market that we're not used to seeing. That's very new. That's very new. You know, uh, Josh Rosen was like the first guy to be a casualty of that, and it's looking like Dwayne Haskins is going to be a casualty of that 
as well. And the possibility of Tua being a casualty of this is fascinating. Well, and that would not be a statement about Tua. It'd be a statement about the fact, like, it doesn't matter if you think you've got the next really good quarterback. If you end up somehow with the first pick in the draft and you've got a shot at the next John Elway, and that's what people think uh, Trevor Lawrence is, even if you think you've got your guy, do you really pass on the next John Elway? Like, if you're looking at the next 15 years, I, I don't know that there's a simple answer. It's a reality for everybody that they're trying to figure out, you know, that that what it looks like today versus what it looks like for 15 years. We have ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us here. You can catch a weeknight right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz from 7 to 9 p.m. Jason, you know I'm all about those hot takes, and I have another one right here. Kev, of course, rolls his eyes. You get to see the eye rolling now. That's the best part about this now. Yes. Um, so the Dallas Cowboys, we're, we're all about, yeah, we know everyone's all about, okay, they're going to re-sign Dak, or they're going to work on the you know extension with Dak Prescott. If I'm Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones is getting a little bit older. I think the urgency to win a Super Bowl is obviously always should always be there, but I think it's there more apparent now. If you re-sign and extend Dak Prescott, you're putting a lot of money into him, and you have a lot of other holes that you have to fill. If I'm Jerry Jones and I'm the Cowboys and I'm high enough in that draft that all of a sudden Justin Fields is sitting there, I move on from Dak, I draft Justin Fields, I have a great rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, and you have a ton of money, an owner that loves to spend money, the Dallas Cowboys could be flipped like that in a heartbeat. You can't flip this team with Dak right away, but I believe you could if you had a Justin Fields potentially fall in your lap if you're high enough in the draft, a spot that I don't think anyone anticipated the Cowboys to be in. How likely is a, of a scenario is that, in your opinion? Well, I mean, how likely? If they're sitting with the first two pick in the draft, I, I, I don't think it's impossible. I will say this. I wouldn't be surprised to see them franchise him again, which is their right, and it's a huge cap number, even in that situation. Because remember, once they franchise him, somebody's going to have to give up two number ones to go out and get Dak. Now, mm-hmm. would somebody do that? I mean, and that, again, talks to the trickle-down effect. I mean, if you're the Rams and you're trying to figure out what you got in golf, would you give up two number ones to get yourself Dak? Probably. And that means golf suddenly hits the open market for teams that are looking to figure out who they could have a quarterback. You know, I, I'd even say... For I think that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback of the Raiders for a very long time. Most people don't agree with me. So if somebody like Dak is available, would the Raiders make that move? Maybe, putting Derek Carr in the open market. But the other side of it is I just always caution everybody when it comes to the draft. Like There was a period where the Buccaneers believed that Jameis was going to be their guy. Titans fans believed that Mariota was their guy after they saw him for a couple of years. Baker was the second coming after his first year. So you dip back into the draft and you take this chance that you, you have somebody for one year, maybe two years. Do you have somebody for the next 15? If you're right, heck yeah. If not, it sets your whole franchise back five years. Well, Jerry Jones take that level of risk because you got to give it at least four, maybe five years. And let's remember that the reason the Bears moved up for Mitchell is because they believed he was going to be a star. And now we've all seen how that's played out. As I send you out, I got to make sure we touch on the Cincinnati Bengals because we lightly, that's disrespectful of me, the ultimate Bengals hater, just to graze over the Bengals win over the Titans. That's a huge win because it's not just, I mean, any win for the Bengals is big right now, but who they beat, no one anticipated them uh, being able to knock off the Titans and they do. What is what is who did we learn more about this past Sunday? Are we learning that the Titans maybe are not as good as we thought, or are we learning that okay the Bengals are just getting better, or are you going to say it's kind of in the middle as far as that's concerned? Well, look, I'm already the president of the Joe Burrow fan club. I do think he's an epic quarterback, and I think he's going to have a hell of a run. Like I, I I absolutely believe that. When the play everybody keeps playing in Tennessee, because you know for anyone that doesn't know, I I lived in Nashville for 20 years and I got my radio start. 
on Nashville uh, ESPN radio affiliates. So, you know, I, I talked to Titans fans a bunch. They keep playing the play where everybody thought Burrow was down and they thought they were going to get the sack and he runs around and gets the big completion over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> to which I say, did you not see the SEC championship game? That's exactly the look that Georgia had on the sideline saying, what the heck? How did we not get him down? So, I think it's a statement how good Joe Burrow is. Conversely, if you look at the Titans this season, the downfall of the Titans is they are the worst thing a football team can be. They play down to bad opponents. They play up to good opponents. So we've seen them look really good in games where they need to look really good at times. But they look bad against bad teams. It's a reason that I have a lot of caution in trying to figure out how good the Titans actually are. I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, and I love the way Zach Taylor has been using him the last couple weeks, putting him on the move, cutting the field in half not having them drop back a hundred times, you know, minimizing his dropbacks, really actually using a running game, even though Joe Mixon has been out, you know, using Giannotti Bernard a lot more in the running game and a quick passing game, everything like that. I give a lot of kudos to Coach Zach Taylor for the way the Bengals have been playing the last couple of weeks. Well, in fairness, I think I've been hard on Coach a couple of times about not looking for balance. It took him a little while to find that balance, and you're right. And the other thing you said that I think is really smart is the rollouts, because just keep in mind for anybody that's watching him, when you do a designed rollout, you're essentially eliminating half the reads. You're only asking him to get through two, maybe three reads on the play, and that makes life so much easier. If you've got an athletic quarterback, it it buys him time to make the right read, and it makes him read less. So as long as they can identify that play in pre-snap, it it really puts Burrow in a good position. So I'm with you. I think that Coach Taylor's doing a good job, although I say that and I feel Friday night last. But (laughs) I feel like he's done a very good job over the last few weeks. It just took a little while to find that rhythm. Full hearts can't lose. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. Best best TV show ever. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jason, send us out with this. Your top four college football. If the college football playoff poll came out today, what would Jason Fitz poll look like? Send us out with that. If I was a voter, I would go with Clemson, number one. I would go with Ohio State, number two. And I would go with Alabama with the shaky, number three. I think we forgive how bad their defense has been a few times in here. Number four is the toughest one today. It's Notre Dame. It won't be after Clemson kicks their butt. Uh, so I am I am putting yeah like I'm just hot taking it right there. So <laughs> I am saying that this is right now today this could be the year Cincinnati would then pop up into number four uh-huh. and that's I gotta give I gotta give a ton of credit to Luke Fickle. I said this on the college football show that I host digitally last week. The reason like we need to remember that Luke Fickle had a shot at a Michigan State job that everybody thought was his dream job and he said no. To say no to that means to me. He knew he had something special in Cincinnati that was going to ride hard enough this year that he could either stay or he could go anywhere he wants. I think that Cincinnati has the opportunity to be the AAC's great hope. They have Getting that Memphis thing off their back was mm-hmm. a huge win. Luke Fickle's got that defense playing great, and that offense is as explosive as any in the country. I think Cincinnati has a real and legit shot at the college football playoff this year. I'd put him in. Jason Fitz, Sarah Spain, host Spain and Fitz weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Jason, uh, thank you for being flexible. Many Bengals fans thought yesterday that I made up the, the car crashing into the phone <laughs> because our phones weren't working. They, they wanted to call and just blast me, and I, I, the phones weren't working. They thought I made it up, but this is.